football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So who cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Palazzolo back here with Sam Monson, and we are live on YouTube, and we're going to mock draft. Mm. You ready, Sam? Yeah, let's go. We've decided to go mock draft. We're gonna we're gonna work together, you and I. So well, we'll, that's always a bad starting point. I know. Um, how long to get through thirty-two Ooh. first round picks? That's yeah, gonna take a while. Three to six hours here yeah. is my guess. Longer um, than the actual draft, probably. Probably longer than the actual draft. So we'll try to do a little bit of analysis here. And if we're an hour in and only 10 picks are done, we know we're in trouble. But mm. we're going to – you know, team. Our, our, our listeners love it when we give every team some love. So that's what we're going to do. Okay. Unless you're picking in the second round. Sorry. Yeah, then you're you're done. Yeah. Don't trade out of the Next first round. podcast or the daily. The, head to the daily. That's for head you. To, yeah, the daily is something, something for anybody. So here we go. Let's we're gonna go mock draft, doing it together here. By the way, draft night, uh, draft weekend is gonna be pretty epic over at PFF. Uh, stay tuned. We're gonna have all sorts of exciting news about the PFF NFL draft show coming up that Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of draft weekend. So we're gonna do a mock draft. Everybody try to keep tabs at home. If you're keeping score at home, Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock. Sam, yeah. Who, who should we go with here? Uh, no, I can't even think of anything funny. Just Trevor Lawrence, slot it in, move on, next. Any, any, what's your, fi- what, is there any story with uh, Trevor Lawrence that you're just looking forward to, to seeing? How quickly do you think he can hit the ground running here? Yeah, I mean, that's really the only thing is how good will he be right off the bat? Because there's been a pretty good track record recently of quarterbacks doing very well immediately. Um, it's also been a pretty good track record of, you know, all these toolsy quarterbacks working out quite well. I would say he's, He's both, right? He's That's why he's the number one overall pick. Even with reasonable competition, Trevor Lawrence is still the guy because he ticks all the boxes. He's great play. He's got all the intangibles. He's got the tools. Therefore, he's the number one overall pick regardless of challengers. Um, so, yeah, I'm just, I'm just interested to see what it looks like immediately year one for Jacksonville and how quickly he will – or whether there'll be any sort of second guessing from people throughout the season you know if if zach wilson has a good game immediately if it's like oh should have gone zach wilson chris sims told you he was the next aaron Rodgers, um or whether it'll just be no trevor lawrence immediately is amazing and of course that was the pick yeah i'm i want to see how jacksonville builds around him you know what is the what is the strategy they have a lot of holes on defense they have some offensive talent have to shore up the offensive line so i want to see that um, but the the Jags do have the draft capital to to make some moves here. So love Trevor Lawrence as the number one overall pick. Easy enough. Number two overall pick. You and I are picking for the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. Are we debating? Is there any debate here in the PFF NFL podcast war room about a Panay Sewell, a generational tackle, a wide receiver? No. Instead of a quarterback. Are, are we building around Sam Darnold or is it no, next the, QB? The up? debate is which quarterback you're taking, not which 
other position are you entertaining in favor of quarterback? You're either picking a quarterback or you're trading away to get the hell out of the number two overall pick. The debate is not under any circumstance Sewell or Chase or Pitts or anybody else. It's which quarterback do you want? And if you are determined to roll with Sam Darnold, how much can we get for the number two overall pick for somebody that wants a quarterback? In our, in our war room here, in our, on our team, on our Jets team, can we keep Darnold around? I, I want mean, to keep him around. We can. I would certainly be listening to the calls that will flood in the I'll, second I'll listen. draft a quarterback. I'll listen to all calls. And I would be more interested in taking them than I am rejecting them. I'll listen to every call. Okay. But I want a second rounder or better. And then I would consider keeping Sam around. I mean, the second anybody throws anything approaching a second rounder, Darnold is out of here. Is a third round approaching a second rounder? It is. It's approaching it. Third rounder, I would think about it. Second rounder, I'm sending Sam out. Anything less than a third, though, I want him as my backup. I mean, maybe less than a third, we'll, I'll hang on for a better offer. But certainly a second, he's the hell out of here. All right, so we're in the Jets' war room here. Mm-hmm. We going to Zach Wilson? Yeah, I think so. Number two quarterback on the uh, PFF draft board. So we've got Zach Wilson coming off the board to the New York Jets. Trevor Lawrence, number one. Zach Wilson, number two. The number three pick. Mm. Embrace debate here, Sam. Yeah. We know we want a quarterback here as uh, we are John Lynch. We're making the move here. We're John Lynch. We're Kyle Shanahan. Which quarterback do you want? Look, I mean, we said this on the last podcast. I, I think Justin Fields makes the most sense to the San Francisco 49ers. I think even if you buy into basically all the flaws that people are trying to construct for Justin Fields, I think Kyle Shanahan's offense hides those the best. So even when you look at the flaws that he might potentially have as a prospect, they get minimized within that offense. And what he can do in terms of a positive is maximize within that offense. So even just just fit-wise, he's he makes the most sense there. Um, his upside ceiling-wise has to be right there with, with Trey Lance or potentially higher than Mac Jones. And the negatives I don't think are as big a problem if they're there um, in a Kyle Shanahan offense as they would be elsewhere. So I don't really see an argument to draft one of the other guys above Justin Fields unless you just think that the difference between him and Mac Jones in terms of processing and you know running, running an offense mentally is you know, seismic is just this giant chasm that cannot be bridged with all the other things that he brings and the effect that Kyle Shanahan's offense brings to the quarterback. I, it has to be him. Uh, I would go Justin Fields here. Uh, I think the more I'm, the more I think this through, I think the Niners might want Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Yeah. Why? I, I look at Trey. I'm not saying I'm going to, I'm not going to take Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. I'm still leaning back toward I think they want to add that QB element to the run game. And I think Trey Lance is just a better pure runner than Justin Fields. He's got this, like slipperiness to his game as a runner and the, and the straight line speed. They both have straight line speed. And Justin Fields isn't effective, uh, is effective on QB keeps and the whole deal. Trey Lance is a dynamic runner like in between the tackles and open field. And I could see that that plus the hypothetical upside. I could see the Niners saying... That's it. That's the potential home run, Sam. Hmm. So I'm, I'm talking myself into Trey Lance being the guy for the Niners. Also, okay. given all the the smoke around around Justin Fields and some of the concerns, um, I, I'm going to defer to when the guy has time to throw, Justin Fields. 
puts it on his receivers. Yeah. Most important part of the Kyle Shanahan offense, plus he does have enough of the running component. And to your point, I think Shanahan's offense will mitigate Fields' flaws. You could say that about anybody. He'll mitigate flaws for every quarterback, but if Fields' biggest flaw is you know time to throw and getting rid of the ball, I think Shanahan's going to help that. So there we go. Justin Fields is now off the board. So we're going QB, 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 Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and then Justin Fields. The first pivot point in the draft is the Atlanta Falcons. Can we trade down with we ourselves? Can. I mean, my question is, who's going to want to come up for one of two remaining quarterbacks? So we got Mac Jones, and we have Trey Lance on the board. And yeah. I'm looking at— Because critically, whoever it is doesn't think Atlanta's going to pick a quarterback. They don't think Cincinnati's going to pick a quarterback. They don't think Miami's going to pick a quarterback. So the first team that's potentially in the quarterback market is Detroit at 7. So, yeah. if and we so we are both teams, right? Sure, we are the Lions. From so ba- basically, you're looking at Denver and Carolina as the very quarterback needy teams, right? Yeah. And you're saying if one of those teams wants to go get a quarterback, do they have to jump as high as number four? If I'm Detroit, let's start with Detroit at seven. I'm letting the draft come to me. I'm not going to get a quarterback. There's too much of a <clears> rebuild <throat> happening right now. I still have Jared Goff. I'm not forcing it. So I'm going to Detroit's not trading up in our world here. Mm-hmm. Carolina at eight. Denver at nine. If you're the Panthers, are you just so over Teddy Bridgewater going into this year with a pretty good play caller and a pretty good I think both those teams core. are in the market. Both those teams are in the trade market. My point is simply, why would they trade as high as number four? All they need to do if they want a quarterback is to either get ahead of the other one if you're Denver or for both of them to get ahead of Detroit if you think they'll pick a quarterback. Well, the Panthers, Which means the, the highest they need to go is number six. The risk for the Panthers... Eddie, the reason why you'd want to go to four is because the Broncos could jump up to four, five, six, or seven. Right. So, you, I mean, you only need to jump the other one, essentially, is my point, though. So, do, uh, so if, if, we're, if we're the Panthers or the Broncos, is Trey Lance or Mac Jones enough for you to even want to lock one of those guys in? Denver, I think, could be desperate enough to do that. Um, it really For them, it really comes down to what they see as – because this is the tricky spot, right? It's three, the, in theory, the best three quarterbacks in the draft have gone already. So you're now down to four or five, having to give up a lot of draft capital to make that happen. And for Denver, it's kind of a last swing at the bat at this point, right? I mean, I know we've been joking about how, like, how many times can John Elway swing and miss at quarterback? Yeah. Now he's bought himself at least one more by, like, giving himself another job and just putting somebody else's ass in the fire. But at some point like just you have to be able to find a quarterback otherwise somebody's got to get fired surely um so for denver like you have to worry how confident are they in trey lance or mac jones or if it if it unfolds like this and that those are the three quarterbacks that have gone are they instead like trying to get the deal done for russell wilson or deshaun watson rather than trade something comparable to get as high as number four and take the fourth best quarterback available in this draft it just starts to get very, very risky at this stage. Yeah, and I, look, I, I just I feel like if you're debating between Trey Lance or Mac Jones at eight nine, yeah, sure, you maybe just take who's take who's there. And if you're the Panthers, you might not even take one of those QBs. Right, but now you're debating like how much do we need to give up to get up to four to draft one of those guys? Can't be worth it. That's I don't think kind of where I am. So I'm ever since Miami made those moves, I'm of the opinion that. Yeah, trading down makes a lot of sense for Atlanta. I just don't know that they're going to be able to convince buyers to come that high. So now that we have 
as the pan- as the Lions, Panthers, and Broncos GMs, we have convinced ourselves we're not we're not trading up. We're not mm. doing it. Is there anyone? Just let's just check below that a little bit. The Patriots at fifteen. Uh, is there is there another team? Washington football team at nineteen. Do we do they have enough to come up? I mean, they have Would enough, but again, you're in the same boat of look how much you're going to need to give up to get the third, the fourth, or fifth best quarterback available. In theory, now. One of those guys might have one of the, the fourth or fifth best quarterback available. Might be number one on their board, you know? Oh, it might like, be. There are yeah. teams out there that might absolutely buy into the idea that Mac Jones is Tom Brady 2.0. And if he is, he's the number one player on your board, right? He's right. like, it's Mac Jones number one, Trevor Lawrence number two, Zach Wilson number three. He's Tom Brady, yeah. Right. So if you buy into that, and I'm, you know, your phrase, right? Somewhere in the NFL, somebody agrees with Dan Orlovsky. Somewhere in the NFL, somebody has Mac Jones ranked number one on their draft board, thinks he is Tom Brady 2.0, and is a better NFL quarterback prospect than Trevor Lawrence. Now, if one of those teams or if one of those people happens to be a decision maker in New England or Washington, that team is well capable of doing something crazy enough like jumping from 19 to 4 or 15 to 4. It's possible. I, I, can't see a world where you consider it likely but you can't rule it out right until the 49ers made that move up to number three and the dolphins were sitting at three and the third there was a chance that the third quarterback came off the board at six mm-hmm. i mean at, at, yeah at six or seven i thought that new england might be the team to, to make a move yeah the fact that there's three qbs off the board and now you're, you're looking at four qb4 so to speak right I think it's less likely. At that point, you have to be confident, one, in your own evaluation, obviously, and two, that it you the way you evaluate it is different enough from everybody else that it's a viable option. Like, you would either have to have that pre-planned, that, hey, look, if the, if the draft unfolds the way we think it will, Lawrence Wilson Fields, we love Trey Lance or Mac Jones, we, are, we have like a move in place to be on the phone immediately and say, hey, Atlanta, here's what we're willing to offer for four, let's make this happen. In our world, if I'm the Patriots or football team or anyone else down there, Eagles, whatever, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to go get a quarterback. So Falcons are picking at four, and I think this is the first real pivot point in the draft. Yeah. And look, the Falcons have a ton of defensive needs. We just did a PFF NFL Daily on Friday that said, who's the best defensive prospect in this draft? And there's legitimate debate. In past years, there's never been a debate. I don't think the fa- there's in past years, there would be a Chase Young sitting here. There'd be a Miles Garrett sitting here if you had QBs go above the top defensive prospect. We just don't have that. There's no Jalen Ramsey. So if I'm the Falcons, is Kyle Pitts the play here? Yeah, I think he has to be. Um, They're locked into Matt Matt Ryan for at least another couple of years. They can't trade him. The number's just too insane. Um, They have Julio Jones. They could trade him, but at the point where you're sort of locked into one aging superstar, you might as well be locked into the other one. So let's add something else. Let's add a new dynamic weapon. Now you've got Calvin Ridley as well. You could go Jamar Chase, add another one, but it's 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 never redundant, but I think you get a bigger impact by adding a Kyle Pitts who brings something genuinely different to that offense that they don't have. Um, yeah, to your point, the t- if, if the, t- the tiebreaker is different, yeah. and, and if we're looking at Pitts and Chase as yeah, very similar as far as offensive weapons and go. And you're not, you're not going to fix the defense with one pick in the top five. You might overload the offense with talent to the point where it becomes like just uncoverable and unstoppable with a Kyle Pitt. So I think that has to be the pick if you can't trade down. I don't think that's beyond the realms of possibility. I just don't think it's 
I can't see an obvious trade that presents itself that we would make in this scenario. So there it is. With the fourth pick, the PFF NFL podcast selects offensive weapon Kyle Pitts, Florida. Nicely done. Offensive weapon. That's been kind of ruined, though, from Denard Robinson, hasn't it? Yeah. Wasn't that his thing? He was a college offensive weapon. Yeah, and became just an NFL bust. <laughs> Who so happened to take most of the Kind of ruined it, unfortunately. Yeah, it wasn't good. Kyle Pitts, offensive weapon slash tight end. All right, here is where we, we live in Cincinnati, Sam, and the mm. biggest debate in town right now. It's, it's not Skyline versus Gold Star. It is Panay Sewell versus Jamar Chase. That is the debate here in Cincinnati. Skyline or Gold Star? What a horrible debate. Uh, I have an answer, and it's a very simple one, right? Are you a fan of onions in any way, shape, or form? In very little form. I hate onions. Hate them, yeah, right? Very little and form. What Gold Star is is essentially Skyline chili, but with the added chopped onions. Just no, like not chunks a, no, of no, 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 no. Big, would... horrible, diced chunks of onions just lobbed into this I haven't thing even tried that's Gold Star. already so, hideous. Yeah. No, I, yeah. neither have I, because I've looked at it, and that's what it is, yeah. right? So they've taken Skyline, something which is objectively already awful, and added an extra bad thing to it. Therefore, it's worse. That's so, my answer to that so one. So Skyline is safe. S- Skyline is Penesul. I mean, it's not safe. It's, I mean, in the grand... Let's just end, end this analogy. Yeah, don't, don't, don't go there. Cincinnati chili <laughs> is pretty poor outside of... Uh, it's not great. It's you not know, great, Bob. Native Cincinnatians. I mean, it's the kind of food that if you're trapped in a Midwest town with no hope of getting anywhere else, that's what you could convince yourself is, you know, it's a local delicacy. It's usually right next you, to a KFC. You've been like, to other go get your, Go get your fried I'm chicken. I'm just saying, like, you know, however long ago they invented this thing, you know, when you were sitting here and you're kind of trapped in the middle of the country yeah. with, with nowhere to go, you could convince yourself that, hey, look, this is something we have and nobody else has. But if you've, like, experienced other foods, you know, like someone rocked up with a pizza, you're like, oh. Yeah, I don't know what we've been doing to ourselves for the last 50 years. This is, a, this is a big mistake. I just can't believe that they proudly present it to the media in the second half of Bengals games. Yeah. Like, hey, we had all this really good food in the first half. Second half, get your skyline. <laughs> Sorry, let's go. Cincinnati Bengals at five. Panay Sewell yeah. or Jamar Chase? Have you seen that graphic that's floating around on Twitter? Somebody no. tried to, like, reduce this into caricature form essentially it's uh, oh i did see that yes. joe burrow joe burrow throwing to anybody with panay sewell blocking you know completed pass everything's great joe burrow uh throwing to jamar chase with anybody blocking joe burrow's getting killed pass drop short game over right essentially a caricature argument that you need to put blocking in front of him so that he can deliver a pass to a receiver it doesn't matter who the receiver is if he doesn't have time to get the ball in the air it's it's game over Problem is, you can reverse the same thing, which is like, you know, a wide receiver that gets open allows the pass to go quicker. So yes. it doesn't matter who's blocking. You can make the argument either way, but I think it's an interesting way of um, debating it. And it has its supporters. You know, a friend of the show, Robert Mays, buys into that argument. I think um, Nate Tice as well, the, the two athletic football podcast guys, they buy into that side of the argument that, hey, look, you need the platform. You need somebody to pass block for Joe Burrow in order to get that ball in the air before you get a Jamar Chase. Yeah, I don't buy it. Hmm. Here's why. There's five blockers. Correct. Okay? And you need you, minimum. Yes. You need perspective on what that means, right? If Panay Sewell is a better blocker than, say, average offensive tackle, he is going to allow two or three he'll have two or three fewer losses in a given game so we're talking two or three plays 
from a pass blocking standpoint where Panay Sewell is better than say Riley Reef, who they just signed at tackle. So he's maybe two or three plays better if 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 Panay Sewell is really good. If Jamar Chase gets open at a if if Jamar Chase is just as good as Panay Sewell, he'll get open maybe ten percent more than the next best receiver. And that's and that might be four or five routes in a given game. So we're talking four or five routes of getting open for Jamar Chase versus two or three pass blocks for Panay Sewell. And then you factor in Panay Sewell is one-fifth of the offensive line, and Jamar Chase is either half of your receiving core in certain formations or a third of your receiving core in certain formations. So Jamar Chase getting open fairly quickly is really just as, just as important as the one blocker. Right, so it's not as simple as well. If he's under pressure, like a bad offensive tackle is not giving up pressure every single down. The offensive line might be fe- feeling right. like that, but it's not happening every single down. So it's not as simple as what that meme is. All of that said, locking in a good offensive tackle in a world where offensive tackles are fi- hard to find is extremely valuable. Mm-hmm. I- I'm I'm in on that as a theory, and I don't think that signing Riley Reef has taking the Bengals out of this Panay Sewell market. Now, I don't know what they do in year one if they have Panay Sewell, Jonah Williams, and Riley Reef. None of those guys scream guard. None of those guys feel like a guard. Now, could you just suck it up? Could you put Panay Sewell at guard in year one just for fun and, and be better than what the Bengals have at guard? Absolutely. I think they'd move Jonah to guard, sadly. Jonah? See, I feel like they would – I think they might be more likely to take Panay, put him at guard – like the Dolphins did it with Laramie Tunsil, right or wrong, they did it with Laramie Tunsil for a year or two, right? At guard, moved him to tackle. I think it was a year. Riley Reef can't play guard after this point. That that's the riskiest thing is taking a guy. But at the same time, Panay Sewell and Jonah Williams both might be better tackles than mm-hmm. Riley Reef. Yes. So are. while Riley Reef doesn't take them out of the Panay Sewell conversation, it does make 2021 team building more complicated for the Bengals. Yes. To me, the biggest issue is that their their biggest problem is on the interior anyway, right? Like it, as much as Panay Sewell is potentially great and potentially a big upgrade at tackle, in theory, tackle is not the problem right now. Like that graphic of anybody in front of um, of Joe Burrow, there's three anybody's in front of Joe Burrow, even with Panay Sewell there. That's your issue is that you can bring him in, put him at left tackle. Okay, that's one of your five spots done. The other three, the ones right in front of him, are anybody's, and he's getting killed still. So it didn't fix the issue. In fact, it didn't do anything to address the issue, other than the whoever your any your left guard anybody tofu might be slightly better because he's you know being bathed in a he's being imbued with whatever sweet ingredient um, <laughs> Panay Sewell is bringing to the table, right? So left guard tofu anybody is is slightly sweeter because he's being blessed with the ingredient that Panay Sewell is but you're still three-fifths of anybody in front of him whereas if you bring in Jamar Chase that guy is now being teamed with um, Tyler Boyd with T Higgins there's actual weapons to throw to now you're getting closer to across the board there's some good receivers for him to throw to and okay the offensive line is still a freaking mess but now he's got somewhere to go pretty much every play because as you said Jamar Chase might only be getting open above and beyond the last guy he's replacing five, six times a game. 
But Tyler Boyd is still getting open five, you know, however many times a game. T. Higgins is still getting open. So overall, you're now seeing somebody open on most of your plays. If you bring in Panay Sewell, stuff him at left tackle, potentially all you're doing is making the difference between Jonah Williams, who is already pretty good, and Panay Sewell, who will, so let's say he's very good right off the bat. You're talking five plays a game where just your left tackle isn't giving up pressure versus the other four are still giving up. At least three of those guys are still giving up a ton of pressure. So it isn't actually materially changing the situation that much, which I think is the biggest issue. I'm with you there. And I also think the idea creep back toward average, our axiom here, I think is is what we apply. Now, Panay Sewell does get you back toward average almost immediately, I think. Even with those holes... You know, if you did kick him or Jonah Williams inside and it is three-fifths, you're far closer to average than you are right now on paper because of the, the three weaknesses on the interior. So there's a debate for Panay Sewell. There's, I think there's two things at play. What gets you closer to average at the offensive line? And I know people have said, I haven't, I, I've seen this too. I haven't seen a young quarterback play well unless they have a great offensive line. You have to do that first, offensive line first. And it's not really true. I mean, even you know, it's not even true last year. No, like even the like two best rookie quarterbacks both played well in front of garbage offensive lines, behind garbage offensive lines. Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Yeah, both and they played had fine. Atrocious. Now offensive Burrow got lines. hurt, and everybody's gonna say, "Well, he sure. got hurt, so you have to protect him." Correct. Agreed. And I agree. Look, I think that like it's not good, right? Ideally, you don't want your quarterback behind a line so bad that at some point he's inevitably going to get hurt. Yeah. So absolutely, fix the offensive line. My point is simply that Panay Sewell on his own, is not going to achieve that. You need more additions to that offensive line. Right. And in particular, they need to be inside. So, I, like our friend Jeff Schwartz has said stuff like, well, Patrick Mahomes had Mitch, you know, he didn't give up a pressure on, you know, the entire Super Bowl run. True. Mm-hmm. But the Kansas City offensive line during Mahomes' tenure has been right around league average, maybe slightly better. Again, it's not mid-90s Cowboys. Deshaun Watson has had great success behind a poor offensive line. It's not ideal. They've gotten better over time. His success has gotten better as they've gotten better, but it's not like he didn't have success. Russell Wilson has had great success behind a bad offensive line. Again, it's not ideal, but it's doable. But I think you solve the same problem by having guys get open quickly. Now, all that said, I th- here's where I think the tiebreaker is. If we agree that they need a third wide receiver because we're trying to attack opposing defenses with difficult covers and they need offensive linemen, what are you going to do in the second round? Do you have... Where are you in the second round or third round mm. at that position? Is there a good enough wide receiver on the turn? Is there a good enough tackle on the turn? And honestly, this might not be a great tiebreaker because we have a lot of you know late what first, is? early second grades on both tackles and receivers. This is so. If I'm the GM in in Cincinnati for this pick, this is where I make like this is where I make a scat's day right here, right? Because to me, this is like literally a coin flip. It's fifty fifty. I don't. I don't, have a, I don't have a strong opinion either way. I can yeah. see the case either way. So what you do is, right, guy that's really excelled in the whole process, gone above and beyond, really put in the work, you turn him and you say, son, who are we taking? And then that guy gives you the draft pick. You put it in, guy feels like a million bucks. The problem He's made his day. The problem is the Bengals who don't have any scouts. Well, look, I, I can't fix everything. <laughs> Hypothetically. I mean, look, I'm just saying, whoever that kid is, that's, that guy's going to make your draft pick. All so right. who, you're the kid, Steve. Son, who are we drafting? Man, I, I'm gonna go back. I did. I did all. I did. That a whole... doesn't work if you're gonna do the same thing as me. I don't have. A, I don't. I'm on the fence. I need you to make the decision, son. I'm going with my first instinct, which was Jamar Chase. Okay, there we go. Wide receiver Jamar Chase is the pick at number five for the Cincinnati Bengals. Good work, little Jimmy. And you know, part of part of the tiebreaker for me is it's just that 
confidence that Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow are going to work yeah, together. That too. can't hurt. Honestly, that's that's in that discussion. Not just me. that, but I'm betting like you know, in this world of the quarterback wants input. If Joe Burrow wants input, even though he just came off getting killed by that offensive line, I'm betting he would want Jamar Chase just because he's that's he's had it before, right? He knows what that is. He's going to want his teammate back in Cincinnati. I mean, if you're 50-50, if you're on the fence, why not make your quarterback happy? Yeah, you could build your offense to help protect your quarterback as well. All right, so we'll get more offensive line help later. Bengals fans, don't worry. And we've just slowed this whole thing down, but let's do it. Uh, Miami Dolphins at number six, Sam. Mm-hmm. Uh, Panay Sewell still on the board. Yep. Devontae Smith is your boy. He's on the board. Speaking of reunions, mm-hmm. is is Devontae your guy for the I Dolphins? I would do that. Tua? I, so if you're going to prevent that happening, you need to argue me out of it because I think Devontae Smith is not only the best fit for this offense, but I think he's value. I think he's a good elite wide receiver, and they need elite wide receivers that can separate. I, I don't know if I'm going to talk you out of that. I think I'm okay with that. I mean, I am okay with that. Uh, I'm looking at the Dolphins' offensive line, and even though I didn't make this Austin Jackson pick last year, hmm. I feel like he, he wasn't a disaster. They're not going to give up on him, right? right? There's no way, even with Panay Sewell on the board, I don't think they're going to see that as a seismic upgrade over a former first-round pick to the point where they're going to want to bench one of them, right? They either bench Austin Jackson or they bench the guy that was better than him, Robert Hunt, last year and, and move Austin Jackson to the right tackle or move Panay Sewell to right tackle, whatever. It, it, it's like the Bengals thing. It, it involves them shuffling in a way that I don't think they want to do. Or we could draft a guy that immediately comes in, fills a need, and be, like adds a lot to the offense. Let's go Devontae Smith at six for the yes. Dolphins. Um, again, from a Dolphins perspective, they traded down from three all the way to 12, back up to six. And I think they said, okay, we're going to get a blue chip, non-quarterback. One of those four blue chippers being Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, or Panay Sewell. Mm-hmm. Or maybe just, just three blue chippers, but you said four. So, all right. I mean, I think he fits. Look, Devontae Smith's negative. His red flag is that he's 170 pounds, right? Now, for that to be a big concern, other than just like there's no real precedent of people of that size succeeding, for that to be a real concern, Fine. Show me where it's impacted his college play. He hasn't missed a ton of time. The last, like he got injured this year and it was a broken thumb or something, right? It wasn't. It's not like a clear. That's a hundred and seventy pound problem right there. He just broke a thumb. Um, outside of that, the dude has been durable. He doesn't play like he's one hundred and seventy. He plays with strength and power, particularly at the catch point. He takes hits. Doesn't show any negative effect from them. His weakness is that he's one hundred and seventy, and that's just scary because it's not conventional but most elite you know awesome players of some variety were in some way shape or form mold breakers they didn't fit the general rule of thumb so I'm not going to ding him just for that the other thing people have criticized him for is like you know breakout age but Alabama had four first round receivers and I think you can honestly make a case that he stood out even when Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs were there ahead of him like he was a guy that was often making bigger plays than those two so I'm not going to ding him for that either. So at which point I think he's right up there. Yeah, breakout age. I mean, they're just like baselines of seeing historically what's worked and hasn't worked. But when you add that level of context, like, hey, you're sitting here with three other first rounders, you yeah, can understand I don't think why it's necessarily binary. Be. Like if you have a guy yeah. that breaks out at like 18, 19 years old, regardless of what was ahead of him, he was probably pretty good. Right. But if you have a guy that doesn't break out until his final year because there were four first round wide receivers on the team at, at the same time, I don't think you can immediately go to the other side and say, well, he didn't break out at 18, therefore he sucks. So 
right now. Uh, you know what would be great is if we had some of our YouTube listeners uh, maybe even drop in what's been drafted so far and help us. Help us keep track of this whole thing. I mean, we have a spreadsheet, but yeah, our listeners not, might not. not right now we have that. three quarterbacks and three pass catchers off the board. I don't know how realistic this is on draft night, but again, it's our mock draft, people. I don't think it's crazy. It's, well, I don't think it's crazy either. Because Devontae Smith is the first pick, I think, that would be a deviation from yeah. like a regular draft board I, for other I, people. I still think the Bengals would lean Panay over Jamar Chase. So I, I think there'll be a tackle in the top five. But right now we have Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith off the board, three QBs, three pass catchers. It puts the Lions up on the clock. And again, as much as I think they would love a defensive prospect, I guess Panay Sewell too, too good to pass up here for the Lions who have uh, Tyrell Crosby slated as their starting right tackle next Now year. this is where I think it gets interesting because like Denver might not have loved the two remaining quarterbacks to the point where they would jump to four. But now all they got to do is jump above Carolina. Like now if they want one of those quarterbacks and you think Carolina will snag him, do you love Trey Lance enough to jump two spots to where Detroit are? I would argue that's a pretty good chance. Who's the best quarterback for the Panthers? Who's the one for the Broncos? I think the Panthers. Again, when I was watching Mac Jones, I get some Teddy Bridgewater vibes. And I think the Panthers, there's two ways of looking at it. They have Joe Brady who had Joe Burrow. So you want a guy that's, you know, distributor type and Mac Jones type. But I also think the Panthers might look and say the same thing Kyle Shanahan's saying. Like, Teddy Bridgewater gives us a cap. Mac Jones might give us a cap. They might, the Panthers might want to add that QB run game element and, and just try to hit a home run and go for the ceiling. Trey yeah. Lance. I think Trey Lance is a better fit for the Panthers and Mac Jones is a better fit for the Broncos. Maybe. Um, I. It's difficult to know when you've got an offense like uh, Carolina has – all the quarterbacks they've had in that offense have been fairly similar. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, Joe Burrow, Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater again. This is the Panthers and the Saints tree here. Right. And Joe Brady in particular as, as offensive coordinator and assistant, all those kinds of things. Um, they, they've all been similar stylistically. They've got varying degrees of athleticism, but none of them are like run-heavy quarterbacks. Um, now, does that mean those are just the guys they've had in a sequence? And that just happens to be the way they've deployed. Two of those guys are an all-time great in college and an all-time great in the NFL and Teddy Bridgewater. Um, or does it mean like that's the style of quarterback they actually do like? That's kind of what they want, a guy that can mentally process the system and add you know a little bit on the ground whenever he needs to. And that's what they're looking for, at which point Mac Jones they might see as like a Teddy Bridgewater plus. You know, people – his – fans supporters are like tom brady 2.0 but a more realistic idea might be what if he's just better than teddy bridgewater same kind of style but just a better version of that in which case he would fit that offense really well maybe i'm looking at it as too much of like a macro yeah level. or are they like hey we've been able to make do with these guys that can't move what if we added someone that's like a real athlete as well that's the way the league's trending and we can teach the rest i don't know um i think it might be a case so this could work out great for everybody, right? Denver jumps to seven, drafts Trey Lance, and Carolina makes do. Um, I just with don't the know. They want it anyway. Denver has built this receiving core, where again, it's uh, hitting open throws is the most important part of any quarterback, uh, any quarterback skill set. But Denver has very specifically built this incredible receiving core. Mm -hmm. Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler were two of the best receivers last year at getting open, which makes sense. That's their skill set. Cortland Sutton's coming back. Tim Patrick's still there. They have an incredible group 
of receivers. And I think the Broncos' best bet as an offense is to be a high-volume passing attack trying to compete with Justin Herbert and the Chargers and, of course, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and even the Raiders. So they both want Mac Jones. Yeah, I think Mac Jones might be the better fit for both. Well, I mean, I was conv- I was saying Trey Lance for the Panthers because mm. they might want something different. But I think Mac Jones specifically for the Broncos. So either is way, the question is: Do Denver want him enough to jump above Carolina? Because this is probably like it's not their last swing at it. Because yeah, let's do it. All right, you want to do it? Yeah. All right. Uh, in the PFF NFL mock draft here, NFL podcast mock draft, we the Denver Broncos are going to jump up to number seven. I don't have the exact terms of the deal, but as the Broncos, we're going to give up some future draft capital. I haven't worked it out on the charts yet. But the Broncos are going to give up something future. So it's like future. 150 points using the standard old Jimmy Johnson trade chart, which is like a mid mid to low third rounder. Yeah, we'll do that. So let's so say let's say we we the Lions are all about trading down here because we're still probably going to get the same player potentially. Yeah, it's probably going to take you know a little bit of of um, value added because you're the one that desperately wants it. It's probably going to take Denver's third round pick. It's probably going to be right on the money to jump above Carolina that's got to be worth it let's do it for Denver anyway I'm screwing up the spreadsheet here but let's do it all right so the Lions are going to go to nine yep Broncos are coming up to seven to get Mac Jones to get Mac Jones because we think the Panthers might want him and we the Panthers are we settling for Trey Lance here well that's the thing so now are you so in in need of a quarterback or in are you are you coveting a quarterback so much that you're going to take Trey Lance who is deemed the fifth best quarterback on in this draft class by the rest of the league okay for for us as the Panthers sitting here at eight I look at Trey Lance as as needing a year to sit okay um particularly behind Teddy Bridgewater I don't think he steps in and he's better than Teddy Bridgewater I think that run game component I talked about when we discussed the Niners at number four at number three you know you have that I don't know if I'm I'm ready to do that I like the forward-looking approach of having a Trey Lance I also look at my left tackle situation and see Cam Irving there. And I'm thinking, again, Penny Sewell, value-wise, at number eight. Do I force the quarterback, who I think might be a backup right now for my team, the Panthers, versus Penny Sewell stepping in and solidifying an offensive line that has not looked great, doesn't look great on paper? Counterpoint, um, Joe Brady is seen as one of the best offensive minds in the game. And if there's one thing we've seen over the last couple of years, it's that quarterbacks with that rushing element, particularly a like a really high-level one, provide an incredibly high floor to an offense. So even if he isn't ready right away to be a better passer than Teddy Bridgewater, he might give the offense a higher floor than Teddy Bridgewater, who, let's face it, was playing pretty bad football last year, like the worst of his career in the system that in theory is supposed to be as good as it gets for him. Um, maybe they look at it and say, all right, a lot of the problems we can actually paper over by bringing in a Trey Lance because of what he can do. Sort of the similar the way that um, uh, Jalen Hurts made an immediate difference to that Philadelphia offense without actually playing very well just because of that rushing threat and not being Carson Wentz. How much is there a potential for Trey Lance teamed with Joe Brady to make this offense significantly better from day one just by not playing as badly as Teddy Bridgewater as a passer and more to the point giving Joe Brady the creativity to be able to hide a lot of things with what he does running the ball. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate the Trey Lance fit here. Here's the other thing I'll say. You're in the division with the box, the Super Bowl champs. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady's there for another two years, hypothetically. We're looking at that. 
And if you do have it, so like adding a tackle this year when you're probably not going to win the division, maybe you compete for a playoff spot. I like Trey Lance. I mean, Trey Lance maybe hits his stride as Tom Brady's potentially retiring or hitting free agency at 45 years old. And the Falcons have Matt Ryan for two more years. And yeah. Given that they've been in on every quarterback available this offseason, reportedly, I find it very hard to believe that they would pass on one, even if it was the fifth quarterback taken in this draft, if without having to trade anywhere. Like, if they don't make a trade, if they sit where they are, if they get to eight and one of the five quarterbacks is available, I just don't think they'll pass. I think they'll take one. Don't you? You think it's Trey Lance? I think it has to be. I don't, I don't think – because if, if it isn't, they're not taking a quarterback, and they've basically done a Chicago Bears Let's do on it. it. Let's go Trey Lance. Let's do it. Trying to hit home runs here as the Carolina Panthers. We appreciate everybody tuning in live here on a Monday morning. You're headed to work, and you're like, hey, <clears throat> I need some NFL, PFF NFL podcast in my life. So we have over 1,000 people watching us live as you get into my brain and Sam's brain discussing every pick in the first round. If you're new here, please hit that subscribe button. All sorts of great stuff here on our PFF YouTube channel. Tell your friends we're live and talking mock and picking for your team right now. So we just took Trey Lance, and now we're just going all QBs and wide receivers coming off the board, but it all mm. makes sense. Don't forget offensive weapons. Offensive weapons. QBs and offensive weapons and receivers. Trey Lance to the Carolina Panthers. The top five QBs are off the board. Done. So now we got to get into the down and dirty. Are there defensive players in play yet? I think so. Detroit Lions are now here at number nine. As the Lions GM, I'm happy with my move. I traded down from seven to nine. I didn't want to necessarily force a quarterback. It would have been cool. Picked up an extra third. Yeah, picked up an extra third, right? If you're not in the quarterback market, if you don't love Lance or Jones, it's a no-brainer move, right? Yeah, it is. Because you think they're going to go in the next two picks. You're literally not changing your pick, and you're picking up an extra third rounder. So that is the, is the no-brainer. I've got some time in my rebuild here in Detroit. A lot the, of time. The best player currently on the PFF NFL draft board, Panay Sewell. Mm. Do we go best player at position of value and need here? Yeah, why not? Panay Sewell. Do All it. Right. Detroit Lions are taking Panay Sewell. And we still don't have... You're not buying into the, uh, the Slater above Sewell hype? Uh, I'm not. And, and the more I looked at the numbers, you know, we talked about it the other day. I mean, they're, they're close. I get it. Uh, Panay Sewell being... As good as he was in the Pac-12 at 19 and 20 years old, yes, that's that's what's convinced me. I you think can, you, yeah, you can you, do it all. You can make an argument that right now Slater is a better pass blocker in particular than Panay Sewell. But one, Sewell isn't bad as a pass blocker. It's not like the difference is huge. And yeah. two, I think Sewell's potential, given what he did at 19 years old, is a lot higher. So do you take the guy that's kind of maxed out on his potential who's a little bit better right now? Or do you shoot for the moon and take a guy who could be amazing, given what we've seen from him already? Um, I think you shoot for the moon, especially if you're Detroit. Like, you got six years in this thing. Yeah. What the hell does it matter if you take a guy and he miss a bit? I, I've also made the, the joke that, like, the perfect – there's something to, like, the first pick of a regime. And the first pick of the Chris Spielman, Dan Campbell regime, you know, I was joking, ah, Micah Parsons, you know, that mm. nice hard-nosed linebacker. But getting somebody in the trenches feels on brand yeah. for this new Lions team. Either way, Panay I Sewell. loved um, <laughs> when he was doing his workout numbers, right? And the three cone was like something. It was like seven five or something. It's like a big number. And people were like, "Well, yeah, if you if you look at that number for all tackles ever, it's slightly above average. But if you look at it for people that are above three thirty, 
It's like the 88th percentile. It's like insane, yeah. right? So you have to adjust for the fact that this is a monstrous human being we're talking about here. This is not just a regular college tackle that you're going to take out and say, you play barely above 300 pounds and you have to eat ice cream every night to keep that weight on. This is a freaking huge human who's playing at 335 at 19 years old. He is athletic for the, the size that he is. All right, so we have our ninth overall pick. The Lions moved from seven to nine. Panay Sewell is off the board. I do want to take a quick break to tell you about our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. If you like fantasy football and if you like playing fantasy for money, you need to check out Underdog Fantasy. Underdog's got everything, including season-long and playoff. Best ball. Best ball is a season-long game where you draft a team like you normally do, but that's it. There's no in-season roster management. Underdog automatically selects your best performers each week, saving you loads of time. Now, here's the catch, which isn't really a catch. It's a steal. You go to Underdog Fantasy and deposit $10. That's it. Just $10 using the promo code PFF, and you get a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's promo code PFF, and you get PFF Edge 365 days of access, including the updated PFF draft guide, which is incredible. You get it all for just that $10 deposit. Use the promo code PFF. Draft now at Underdog Fantasy. All right, 10th overall, Dallas Cowboys. I think the first defensive player is coming off the board. Yep. Here's our debate. Uh, internally, we put the draft board together. Our guy, Caleb Farley, mm-hmm. who we all think is probably the best cornerback in the league when he's he- in the draft when he's healthy, the most potential, the most freaky athletic ability. Even when he's not good, he can still be good. He's got that makeup speed. But the injury risk drops him to the 20s on our draft board. I know you love Farley, mm-hmm. so let's debate. I think it's between Farley and Sertain here to fill a massive need for the Cowboys. Values there, Sertan or Farley here? I mean, look, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna lean on your medical experts within the room. Um, but absent of those, I think it's close enough that you Wait, would say it's a deal breaker. In this room, you are the medical expert. In this particular room where it's just you and me, yes. In a draft room, I'm going to assume I'm going to have additional medical experts above and beyond what I bring to the table. Can you just call you know, your dad? Potentially ones with an actual medical degree, for example. Call your dad live on the podcast right now. Throw um, this hypothetical lower back situation at him and see what, what he says. It is. What was it, like a microdiscectomy or something? Yeah. yeah. Just, um, anyway, look, I'm, tell it's him. kind of like the Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith thing. If you think that they're like 1-1-A, one, one which I think they probably are, um, it, it's enough that it's like a tiebreaker. Like swing, even if it's going the other way, I think you you just default to the idea. Well, look, there's two guys, both of which we're really comfortable with. One of whom has a vaguely scary back issue at stake. Why would we screw with that? So I think Dallas would lean Patrick Sertan too. Like why? Why not Junior? Uh, there's a lot of guys using two lately. But There's so, guys using senior. But like the third makes sense. Like three is just the third or the fourth. Two maybe is his junior. middle name's different. So okay. So you're just Patrick Sertan two, but you're not Patrick middle name Sertan Junior. But what do you? Because you, you you call him the second. I, I don't know. Because you can't just be like Patrick Sertan two. I think the second you can't call is him like Patrick Junior Sertan because just, that's his dad. It's Patrick Sertan, the guy at Alabama. That's who we're <laughs> drafting, by the way. So the Dallas Cowboys, new system with Dan Quinn. Uh, I think both Sertan and Caleb Farley fit it yeah. perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Sertan's the top cornerback on our board right now. I, I like the fit. I like the value. I think Dallas is well-suited to get a corner Sertan, at 10. I think, is the cleanest cornerback prospect yeah. available. The dude does not lose deep 
He doesn't lose on double moves. He's so in control. I mean, he plays like a guy who's had a lifetime of experience of his dad, like giving him tips and tricks on how to play. You know Let's, do I mean? so Let's do it. So the only question, only concern I have about him is like how easily he gets beaten on, on slants sometimes, just like the first default move because he isn't as aggressive as some other corners at that first move. But that feels like something you should easily be able to fix. So I'm, I'm all for it. The first corner is off the board. Patrick Sertan to the Dallas Cowboys. That brings up NFC East rival New York Giants at number 11. I think they were a team that was probably eyeing those wide receivers. They still could be, but they just added Kenny Galladay. So now they're looking a little bit better with Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, and Sterling Shepard as their as their top trio. Offensive line still needs some help, and mm. I think their this isn't the easiest spot in the world. Defense could use some help as well. Like you know, a lot of the times the draft unfolds perfectly for a team, and they end up with like a choice of great players. Yeah, um, this is I don't know that the the draft has unfolded the way that the Giants would have loved it to for them. I'm. This so, is not the easiest spot in the world for them. So they've invested a lot at tackle in recent years. And it's still a bit of a question mark. But you have Nate Solder there. You have last year's first-round pick, Andrew Thomas, there. You have developmental third-rounder, Matt Pert there. You have three guys who potentially are starting a tackle. It's not, none of them are locked in as we know that they're going to be great. Rashawn Slater is still on the board. Do you add more depth to a position that already has high numbers? I don't think they're going to go – I don't think I would go receiver given the investment in Galladay. Right. Is Micah Parsons a player here? The yeah. Giants never pick linebackers that high. When they do, they look like Micah Parsons. But when they do, they <laughs> do look like Micah Parsons. Is Micah Parsons, not only does it fit a need, he's, he's the top player on the PFF draft board remaining, number seven yeah. overall. All right. I'll you like Micah that. Parsons there for the Giants? Yeah, let's do that. Add a three-down playmaker – to the middle of that defense. Man, he would look good in those throwback 1980s Giants jerseys. That's a very oh, man, Micah Parsons he? uniform. Classic Giants. Get Belichick over there coordinating that defense just to make it all work. So Micah Parsons, linebacker to the New York Giants at number 11. That brings up the Philadelphia Eagles here at number 12. They moved down from six, presumably because let's build around Jalen Hurts. Let's do it. For a year. We've got some holes <laughs> still at corner. Uh, they have. It's another team that has volume at receiver given all the different investment that they've made there but we just don't know who's going to be good there where do the eagles go here yeah another vaguely tough spot i think um they could be in the edge market because you know brandon graham is reaching the end of his lifespan there uh Derek barnett has been good not great josh sweat again similar sort of made some plays but not they, this defense was at its best where they were able to run like seven deep on the defensive line and everybody was getting pressure to the point where they were, as a team, getting more pressure than anybody else, 45% uh, over the course of a year. That's starting to get chipped away at now, and it's it's not as impactful as it used to be. Do they try and rebuild that and say this was the foundation of this defense? Let's keep throwing uh, resources at that defensive front and try and repair the erosion that's been done to it. Or do they say, no, we got bigger problems elsewhere. Let's draft a Jalen Waddle or somebody at receiver that's going to make an impact difference to us there. I'm gonna I'm gonna push Waddle out of the Eagles conversation just because I'm wondering if he's redundant to Jalen Rager, the guy they drafted last year. And I think I, I want to get I'll get receiver depth if I'm the Eagles day two. So I, I do want to add receivers if I'm the Eagles. I don't know if I want Waddle at this point. 
I think there's a debate. Edge versus you, – because you, you're mentioning defensive line. Mm -hmm. Is it, The edge defenders are all now in the 20s on our draft board. There's no clean-cut prospect there. Christian Barmore is the top defensive lineman. He's at number 15. I think he's in play. And I know you don't love J.C. Horn as much as others, but mm -hmm. he's the number two corner on our board. Caleb Farley is still there. Do you risk the injury with Farley? Do we go J.C. Horn, or is Christian Barmore the play on the defensive The thing interior? about the edge rushers, though, is whilst they're all sort of in the 20s on our board, um, they're not going to go that low. Like, somebody is going to love the first one of these edge rushers higher than that. Part of our problem is that, like, each one of these guys has got some question marks, and it's, it's enough that they all sort of get depressed for us. But when you're an NFL team, and it's like just order these edge rushers, 32 different shots at that. One of them is going to have one of these guys in the top 10 somewhere. So if you're the Eagles and you have this shot of you get to pick your favorite edge rusher, you might have the guy that's number one on your board in the top 10, 15 somewhere, and it becomes good value for you, even if for us it would be like a you know 10 kind of place reach. So I think edge rusher is still very much in play and not necessarily bad value, even if it would be higher than we would have them on our board. I like Quiddy Pay. Uh, he's our top edge, and I think, man, does he fit what the Eagles like to do is, is burst and, and change a direction, and he's, he's, got some he's got some plays on tape that show his power in the run game. It'd be an unexciting pick if I'm the Eagles. I also look at the time they made the Super Bowl run. It was, you know, the, the secondary really came together there. So what do you think, man? I would lean, yeah, I would lean edge. I like pay. Um, Let's go Quiddy Pay. Let's I think there's a couple of other guys you could throw into that mix as well. Um, Owe, um, I, I think, though, that, yeah, any of those guys, I think, make a lot of sense. So the Eagles pick up Quiddy Pay, and here's what it's going to look like. Quiddy Pay plus extra first rounder next year. So yeah. you're talking about, you know, two picks, two players for the price of one, and, you know, it ends up being a really good move for the Eagles. And next year you are probably going to have three first round picks. If yes. Jalen Hurts doesn't become the guy. So the Los Angeles Chargers are up at 13. Rashawn Slater's still on the board. It is a, I think it's a sprint to the podium situation yes, for that. Take him, done. The one other name is Christian Barmore, the interior defensive lineman, no, who no, I love. Think about it. So the Chargers are going to complete their offensive line overhaul. Well, let's not go crazy now. What? It's a pretty good overhaul this year. Let's well, yeah, go. But it's not. I wouldn't say it's necessarily complete. So Rashawn Slater would step in as the starting left tackle. Yes. Last year they brought Brian Bulaga in to start at right tackle, mm -hmm. and then the entire interior is different this year. Matt Filer at left guard, Corey Lindsley at center, Ode Abushi at right guard. That's four fifths of the entire offensive line changing, but all with promising players. Either, either three of which have played in the NFL, and of course Rashawn Slater. So he's the first or the second tackle off the board, and. Boom, Rashawn Slater. I like it. Starting left tackle for the Chargers. That, I giving think, Justin Herbert yeah. some help. And if that was what they came out of this offseason with, like we've talked before about, hey, look, just let's pump the brakes just a little bit on Justin Herbert because of how that grade was constructed. So much on, you know, insane play under pressure, the, the very unstable things that you expect to regress your year two. But you could almost offset all of that if you improve the offensive line as much as they have on paper. Yeah. So if Justin Herbert goes from being one of the most pressured quarterbacks in the NFL to somewhere in the middle of the pack, that could entirely offset the regression that he has while under pressure. Like you could end up netting exactly even, and Justin Herbert looks exactly as good as he did year one, even if his play under pressure gets a lot worse because you've reduced the amount of pressure that's going to be on him. Like that, not only is it 
the sort of it's it's really smart. I guess the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, I mean the idea of creep back toward average. Chargers, I think, have at least done that, especially if they do get Slater in the first round. I think that's one of their ideal, most ideal scenarios. Yep. Minnesota Vikings at 14, a team that you've been critical of some of their team-building efforts, but when we talk about the defensive line, they signed Dalvin Tomlinson to play three technique, a guy that's better as, as a nose tackle. Mm. They have two nose tackles essentially now with yep. Tomlinson and Michael Pierce. I've loved Christian Barmore for them yeah. for a while. But how much does that get screwed up by the fact that they're planning on starting two nose tackles? I, I don't know. So where would you go here? I mean, I, I loved Barmore. I, I think it fits a need, and, and there's good value there. I do as well, but I don't think they'll do that to the point where I, I just – Do they go good. edge here? I, th- I think they're going to go offensive line. They need to. I mean, that offensive line is still miserable. It's still bad across the board. It's, it's still Brian O'Neill and friends. So how are you going to slot this in here? Because O'Neal, he's been the starting right tackle. Mm-hmm. The starting left tackle, depending on – is it Ezra Cleveland, last year's second rounder, who they've moved to guard? Yes. Um, are they moving him back to left tackle, his more natural position? Or is it Rashad Hill, who's just struggled throughout right. most of his career? I mean, if, if Ezra Cleveland isn't scheduled to be the starting left tackle, I think you have to write him off as a bad pick immediately because he's not a good guard. Now, I don't think – that's his fault I don't think he's a natural guard I think he's just been plugged in there to get him on the field because the guards they had were terrible but if he isn't immediately kicked over to left tackle what you're saying is in year two he's not capable of being better than Rashad Hill who's not really capable of starting so that's that's a catastrophic well, indictment of that pick here's here's my big concern with it with uh, here's why I wouldn't take a tackle from the Vikings Christian Darasaw is the next best tackle on the board he's more of a power blocking I just don't know if he fits their system. He's good. I just don't know if he fits what they like to do from a zone scheme standpoint. Walker Littles after that, I'm not completely with Renner on him as a first-round prospect because of his lack of production throughout his career. I'm not ready to take Walker Little, and I think the rest of the tackle value is at the back end of the first round. Yeah. So I don't love it for the Vikings. I don't love it either, but they made a mess of it when they took when they but we don't signed have to a nose tackle to play three tech. I'm not forcing a need here, Sam. I think I mean the the Vikings need to overhaul their offensive line. They had the same need that the Chargers did, except instead of like going hard and fixing it, they've done almost nothing. Don't I'm not reaching for needs. You're not letting me as the as the <laughs> GM here reach for needs. I'm taking the best players and here's the deal. By the way, Jalen Waddle would be interesting if they if the, if you knew they were going to use receivers. Which I'm just they saying. Won't. What if we just go bar more and we say, look, we're going to be, we'll get out of Pierce's contract in a year. We'll put Tomlinson. We're going to, we're going to right the wrongs in a year. <sighs> look, I think at some point you just need to hit offensive linemen and keep swinging, keep going. They'll be, they'll be second round offensive linemen that are as good as the first round offensive linemen. Will there though? What about Jason Owe as the <sighs> next Danell Hunter who maybe lacked a little bit of college production, but is a freak athlete off the edge? I, I I don't love anywhere the Vikings can go on this first round pick. Do we have a trade up candidate? Is anybody willing to trade up? Yeah, <laughs> we need more would, picks. Anyone want to get up? No, not really. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I, I think Barmore makes the most sense. But I, I which think, tackle do you want? You want Darisaw? Yeah. You want the next guy on the board? Probably. We'll make it work. I mean, alternatively, you could take a guy like uh, Vera Tucker and say interior is our biggest need as well okay it's a bit of a reach but he gets some sort of position versatility it's a big area of need oh my god 
Let's just fix it. And I move can't on. believe you're dragging me into a war room where we're going to take look again. Somebody it's in, our, like in the twenties. The mistakes the, at fourteen. The mistakes were already made. The mistake was long in the past. Now you we're don't just trying compound to make mistakes by more mistakes. Why? You it's continue to pick the best players, and your roster will get better over time. It's not necessarily a mistake. It's only a mistake if we screw up the eval. Michael Pierce not is it. not keeping me from Christian Barmore, Sam. I want Barmore on this team. Yeah, but we'll figure it, it out. It wouldn't if you had like a good roster without holes elsewhere. But you don't. No, you're you're you need, you're going against every one of my draft axioms, which is don't draft for need. Ball. Don't let any current players on your team keep you from good players in the draft. You're you're keeping me from. All of my axioms here with You're the Vikings. You're already behind the eight ball needing to fix like five other positions. So you need to start fixing one of them. There's no point in just taking another guy that's good who doesn't fix anything. This is, this is why you're running social media when I'm a GM and you're not in the war room. Uh, okay. Because you would panic. It's not panicking. I'm just, Take you're the gonna best pick, players. You're going to pick a guy that will like come good in a year's time where the team will still suck because you haven't That's fixed fine. any of the you holes. You don't draft for 2021. You draft for the next four or five years. Okay, but now in the meantime, you haven't fixed any of the glaring holes on this roster. There's more than one round to fix holes. Uh, all right. Who are you going to fix it with? A second-round tackle instead of a first-round tackle. Right, okay. Because the value is similar. Right. Where did... Uh, I want Barmore. Do we, get, uh, do we have a vote here in the YouTube channel? How about some votes? Some votes? I don't think we have time for that kind of thing. Jalen Waddle over Barmore. Just by the way, your la said. the last time you tried to fix it with a second-round offensive lineman is the guy that Ezra we just Cleveland. plugged in at, sec at guard and might not be able to play tackle, and we have to write off after a year. So maybe just stop screwing around and take the guy in the first round. Who do you want for the Vikings? I Pick after an offensive lineman. I don't care. Just address the offensive line. This is just a brutal way to draft Sam. <laughs> It is just brutal. I'm man. telling you, the mistakes have already been made. I'm just trying to plug holes in the They're side of the boat. They're not that here. bad. That is just ridiculous. They're not that. Have you looked at their offensive line? Darisar. Their offensive line right now on paper is Rashad Hill at left tackle, Dakota Dozier, who they brought back, Garrett Bradbury, who's been a train wreck of a first round center, Ezra Cleveland, who's only there because we need to get him on the field. Um, and the alternative was Drew Samia, who's the worst guard in the NFL, and Brian O'Neill, who's a good right tackle. So you have four out of five spots on your offensive line that are like major, major holes. And your solution after free agency where you did nothing to fix it is draft a defensive tackle where you already have two of them. You want Vera Tucker? I want an offensive interior. lineman. You, I will allow you to pick which one. I'm just saying if the name on that board is of a position that does not play the offensive line, I'm going to start throwing things at TVs in the war room. All right, let's go Darisaw. Offensive tackle, Virginia Tech. I don't know Talking. if he's a perfect scheme fit, but he's still a better pass protector than what we have. Yes. So pass protection's most important. All right. Christian Darasaw tackle to the Minnesota Vikings after much debate and Sam panicking. New England Patriots are on the board at 15. This is Waddle. Speed. This is Waddle. They need speed. Okay. Even though they brought in Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne at receiver. Yeah. Jalen Waddle's the play here for the Patriots. Even though they're about to run this two tight end offense into the ground. Yeah, because you can. You, what is your personnel group now? It's two tight ends. You have more than one. You have two tight. You're gonna eleven and twelve personnel. Yeah, but you just made each of them the third highest paid tight end in the NFL. You're gonna run that a lot. That's fine. You're just you're gonna create mismatches. You're gonna keep defenses off balance. And I don't even Aguilar is the one guy that actually brought speed to the table mm -hmm. that they brought in. I want more speed on this offense. They're still the slowest, one of the slowest offenses in the league. Still? Where else would you go if you're uh, if you're New England? Uh, I mean, I think they can look defense. Is this a J.C. Horn play? Could be.
They're Stephon one of the Gilmore. Few, they're one of the few teams that I think he actually naturally fits. So you think press man, coverage guy. Yes. He'll fit their scheme. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's just a press man guy. I mean, I think he's he's got that tenacity. And, man, I would be interested to see what Belichick gets out of him. So the payoff of a J.C. Horn, who eventually becomes your top cornerback within a, a year or two, and the payoff versus a Jalen Waddell in a crowded wide receiver tight end room. We don't know exactly what he is in terms of, like, versatility and where he can play and all those kinds of things. I can be talked into J.C. Horn. He also, I mean, Waddle also brings punt return skills, replace Edelman once he's done with that. Well, I'm going to be tempted to give Waddle to the Cardinals, speaking of speed for the next, on the next pick there. All right, let's go J.C. Horn to the Patriots. J.C. Horn, cornerback from South Carolina, going to the New England Patriots at 15. It's some Stephon Gilmore insurance, and it's a a bit of a longer-term play. And the idea that you can never have too many corners, even if J.C. Jackson and Stephon Gilmore and Jonathan Jones are there, you literally cannot have too many corners, either for this year or for the future. Appreciate everybody that's tuning in live here on YouTube. Again, be sure to hit that subscribe button, all sorts of great stuff on the PFF YouTube channel, including the PFF Draft Show. I don't know where it's going to be shown, but... Maybe on YouTube and maybe everywhere. Maybe all over the place. So be sure to uh, hit that subscribe button while you are here watching on the YouTube channel. Arizona Cardinals at 16. I want a deep threat in this offense. Mm -hmm. You like Waddle for this? Does this fit here? Yeah, I don't hate it. Um, I'm with you. I think they need that skill set in the offense. You could argue that they already have it in Andy Isabella, but either they don't know it or he isn't it. So... Let's go with a, the guy they think is a surer thing in Jalen Waddle. So that would give you DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, <laughs> A.J. Green, and uh, Jalen Waddle. Because you're talking about fixing mistakes. A.J. Green is I'm a mistake not, already. I'm just saying it's not a terrible mistake. You're just I don't think you're going to get a ton of value out of him. Well, critically, all you're doing is replacing Larry Fitzgerald. So all you're doing is going from one like old solid-handed guy who can't get open to another one yeah so it shouldn't be making things dramatically worse but it i mean it's not helping but waddle becomes your will fuller compliment to deandre hopkins like they had with houston that is tough to defend so i like that deep threat open up kyler murray throwing the ball down the field more jalen waddle at the last top 10 player off the pff draft board uh is gone now so just to reset the last few picks here um while you Go check out our draft board and see who you might like for the Raiders at 17, Sam. Uh, Detroit Lions at 9, take Panay Sewell. Dallas Cowboys at 10, take Patrick Sertan, 2. New York Giants at 10, at 11, take linebacker Micah Parsons from Penn State. The Philadelphia Eagles at 12, take Quiddy Pay, the edge defender from Michigan. Chargers take Rashawn Slater, the tackle from Northwestern. The Vikings take Virginia Tech tackle Christian Darrisaw. New England Patriots at 15 go cornerback J.C. Horn from South Carolina. Arizona Cardinals take wide receiver Jalen Waddell from Alabama. Coming up now, Raiders, Dolphins, football team, and Bears on the clock. Where are we going as the Raiders definitely look into the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, you are. Um, I think you could also make a case that they need a right tackle, but they're probably not going to grab that in round one with so many holes on defense. Um, So, yeah, I think you can – I mean, almost throw a dart anywhere on defense, and it's a it's a pick that would help. Are they are they a good fit for Barmore? I know they are. They but are, yeah. Is that redundant to Maurice Hurst? No. I mean, as much as I like Maurice Hurst, he shouldn't prevent you from drafting a uh, a Barmore. 
Barmore is uh, – I'm a big fan of Christian Barmore from Alabama. I think he's by far the best interior defensive lineman in this class. And I looked at the – I fought hard for him for the Vikings because I thought he was a good fit there and in Las Vegas mm-hmm. with the Raiders. So, um, Cornerback, the value is starting to drop a little bit. And I think you've made the point too on the PFF NFL Daily – Maybe they feel good about their cornerback situation. Yeah, I think there's a chance that they believe in the group that they have. Um, they, I mean, they are big corners uh, who fit more naturally in the system that's coming in. I think in particular with Damon Arnett, they can convince themselves, oh, look, this dude barely played as a rookie um, between injuries and just had like 350 snaps total. Okay, they didn't go well, but let's write off that year and let's have him show what he can do in year two. That being said... The Raiders are exactly the type of team that would like halt the slide of a guy like Caleb Farley and buy into this like absurd closing speed and just general speed. Like the freaky athleticism that he brings at that size is so Raiders, is it not? Who's that? Farley? Yeah. yeah. Like that speed, oh, yeah. that size to the Raiders. It just like it's exactly the kind of thing that they fall head over heels for. I'm the GM for every team, as are you. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm more tempted by Farley if I'm one of those teams that has two first-round picks. It's If I'm the Raiders and if we're talking about a back injury and some risk, it's tougher to take that risk if you only have the one first-round pick. Yeah, Farley is a great – I think he's a great fit for almost every team. Absolutely. I think you just figure out how far, how far down the draft are you willing to incur that risk. Mm-hmm. And for me as the GM of every team, it's easier to do that if I'm the Jets with my second pick or my Jags with my second pick or – the team that's on the clock right now, the Miami Dolphins, despite all of the investment that they've made at cornerback the last couple of years. So Barmore in for the Raiders. I would I, I would go, yeah, I would consider Farley. How much would you consider Farley if you're the Raiders? I, so I think they will, if this happens, I think that draft room in particular will, will really be tempted by Caleb Farley. Just the things that they covet, speed, size, physical freakiness. I mean, this was a team that went up and drafted Henry Ruggs as the number one wide receiver in last draft at number 11. Farley is like 6'2 and runs a blazing 40 and has the fastest closing speed you're ever going to see from a corner. They're going to look at that as a team without a ton of cornerbacks and go, oh, this is incredible. We need to draft this guy. If he's still available where we are, that's like Christmas. I just, I mean, I think I'm with you. I think Barmore is a better pick for them, but I can definitely see that draft room in particular being all over Farley if he falls that far okay let's go let's go Christian Barmore interior defensive lineman for the Raiders with the Cardinals at 16 with the massive cornerback need would they be considering Caleb Farley I mean I think everybody in this time should be yeah a guy we thought was a borderline you know top 10 caliber pick but we don't have the medicals yeah not, we, we don't, don't have we don't have Dr. Monson here I think he'll be in the discussion but I like Waddle for them I think that makes sense I think that the two teams we've sort of default we've gone in another direction i think they make a lot of sense so i don't i don't think you can look at any of them and say definitely should have taken farley all right the dolphins are the first team to pick uh, a second time here in the in the first round they picked Devonte smith the first time around and again just to reiterate caleb farley a guy that has cb1 cornerback one type of skills mm-hmm. but an injury concern and i think the dolphins here at 18 the jaguars at 25 the jets at 23 Jaguars at 25 should be all in on taking that risk the one thing I'll say about the Dolphins and the way they've added so much to the secondary in their defense the last couple years I think the Dolphins still have more uh from they need more from their edge defenders yep 
And then uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa from Notre Dame, the mm-hmm. linebacker-safety hybrid. It's a skill set that they don't have, and we're still talking about a Belichick tree type of defense here. Um, do you want that linebacker-safety type of hybrid who flies around the field, played that overhang role at Notre Dame, played over the slot, maybe not doesn't have a defined position, but a linebacker who could play right next to the newly uh, acquired Benardrick McKinney I think is a very tempting play here for the Dolphins. Potentially. Um, I, I think they would definitely be looking edge rusher, though. I mean, this is a team that doesn't really have an edge rusher at all. I mean, Emmanuel Ogba had a ton of pressure last year, but it wasn't really impact pressure. Um, Just traded Shaq Lawson. Yeah, so I, I really do think that they need someone that can come in and just really rush the passer on a consistent basis to actually maximize the impact those guys in the secondary can make. They just added, you know, Justin Coleman. You can debate how good a fit that is within that system, but he's probably going to be their starting nickel. Um, and then, you know, Igbenogany to try and develop year two as well. I think they've got players that they will, that they like in that secondary. I think they have to be looking on the edge. Let's trust the PFF back, uh, draft board here. Jason Owe, a guy that was a below-average run defender in 2019, improved greatly in 2020. Even though he didn't have any sacks, he still had a very similar pass rush grade in 19 and 20. He's continued to get better. Ran a sub-4-4-40, allegedly, mm. at his pro day. Uh, some of the freakiest workout numbers we've seen. You want to go Jason Owe here? Owe would make sense. I wonder if they look to look at home and grab Jalen Phillips, you know, one of the Miami edge rushers, um, as a local boy, if you like. Uh, a guy who has, like we were saying, he's got the sort of profile that if he got one more year uh, of really high-level player, really high-level play, you'd be absolutely in love with him at the top of this draft as well. Um, I wonder if they'd be willing to take the chance that he's got the, the tool set to be an elite edge rusher. The question for Phillips is some of the uh, injury concerns. Um, retired from the game in 2018 due to concussions. That's not ideal. So that's that's the sa- it's a similar injury risk as, as Caleb Farley. And so I think we're I think both guys are similar as far as the top 15 types of talents. I think f- people have Jalen Phillips as the number one edge. Yeah. In this class, in a, a class that's going to have another guy with a place. really good pro day. Have so, the athletic, the, has the athletic tools to do it. Do you want to use the same logic then uh, that I used for the Dolphins? It's their second first rounder, right. so you could take some chances. Yeah, I mean, they're a team that can gamble with one of these edge rushers and hope that he pans let's, out. Let's do it. Jalen Phillips, former uh, former five-star uh, UCLA recruit turned Miami Hurricane, is going to go to the Miami Dolphins. I like it, Sam. Good logic there. Washington football team at 19. I think these picks I hate the most. Football team at 19 and the Bears at 20. Why is that? Because they both would rather pick a quarterback. Sure. And no matter what you come away with is going to feel just anticlimactic. Eh, I think less that, for the I, I think the football team adding Ryan Fitzpatrick is is exciting. Yeah. For this year. Well, I mean, I, don't know. I think they're they're happy with their fate. They know they had, didn't have a shot at a quarterback really. They signed the player you sign if you don't really have a shot at a quarterback, which is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and now they're just all in. They're like, all right, let's see what we can do. Let's build this thing around Fitz, and let's see what happens. So I'm, I'm all for I think there's – it's not that their signing was exciting. I think that the outlook for them is exciting in a way it isn't for Chicago. So where are we going with the football team here? They, the, they had one of the worst groups of playmakers over the last couple of years now. Mm-hmm. 
Terry McLaurin is there. A true number one wide receiver with speed, ability to get open. They add Curtis Samuel. They add Adam Humphreys. And then last year we saw some emergence from tight end Logan Thomas. Is, is the In your boy, Antonio Gandy-Golden, still there. Is the receiver room so crowded that you wouldn't consider a Rashad Bateman at this point in the draft? No, um, it's not. I think Bateman is definitely in the conversation for where they would go. Uh, they signed William Jackson in free agency, so I think that took care of a lot of the cornerback issues that they had. Um, linebacker, I think, is a big hole for them. JOK. Right, so they're potentially in that market. On a, I, that's probably the two for me, right? I th- you could make a case that they're in the offensive line conversation as well. You could always get a little bit better up there, um, and that will always help Fitzmagic. But that's probably – those are your three areas, right? Do you take a Rashad Bateman? Do you take uh, a linebacker? Or do you take offensive line? I, I think a tackle is definitely in play there. Um, J- Jerron Christian or Cornelius Lucas scheduled as the starting left tackles. Morgan Moses getting older, but the starting right tackle. So a forward-looking approach, I think you would look at tackle. Uh, a fill a need, immediate need, you look at linebacker. Mm-hmm. And then just add more depth and, and make a, you know make receiving room more of a strength. I think you're looking at Bateman. You know me and adding more receivers to the mix. I, I love it. Always. And I think the payoff with Bateman could be huge. And you just say, look, go beat out Adam Humphreys. And it's Bateman on the outside, it's Terry McLaurin on the outside, it's Curtis Samuel and Antonio Gibson playing receiver, running back hybrids and all that stuff. I think that's a great way to play football. And I think it it fits with the idea Let's of... Let's do it. It fits with fits. It fits with the idea of, look, Ryan Fitzpatrick is our quarterback. We know that that's a limitation, but let's surround him with as much as human as, as humanly possible to maximize what we're going to get out of him. So let's give him a receiver that can go make plays. I Yeah, I like it. The fourth receiver is off the board. Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota is going to the Washington football team at number 19. And my axiom of, you know, Adam Humphreys or Curtis Samuels not going to keep me from drafting a really good football player at a similar position. And that's Rashad Bateman, even though he's two inches shorter than we thought he was. And like 10 pounds lighter. Yeah, makes me really, 20 pounds really. Makes me really sad. Hmm. Maybe we should have dropped him. <laughs> Time no. to drop him off the board. No. No, he, he's got good releases and he's just solid at everything. I think Bateman's an excellent compliment to Terry McLaurin. Uh, we've got, what, 12 more picks? Yeah. Uh, Rashad Bateman to the football team. Chicago Bears at number 20. That's where it gets depressing. I'm a little sad. Yeah. Yeah, you don't get a quarterback. No tackles a need uh-huh. i think secondary always can use some addressing receiver needs some help uh, beyond Allen robinson you have darnell mooney there but again i'm always trying to get three deep and anthony miller's on the trading block there where are we going is the chicago bears man <laughs> i think you're picking an offensive lineman and it's just like the least exciting offseason in the history of the world if you're the bears that's the thing. Like Jermaine Effetti, currently, between him and Elijah Wilkinson, one of them's going to start at right tackle. I imagine they would try to keep Effetti in at guard and keep Elijah Wilkinson at tackle. But Wilkinson's, he's had a couple good games in his career or whatever, but hasn't really played all that well overall. Tackle is a need for the Bears. Yeah. I mean, Definitely not grabbing another tight end. It's not exciting, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's what you're left they with. They right? spent a ton of money on Robert Quinn as an edge opposite Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. So edge value is decent there, but you're you're looking at a spot that already has Mack and Quinn. Yeah, I mean, you could roll the dice at corner as well. Desmond Trufant, it's been a while since we've seen him play well. Like Artie Burns has come in. I Outside of Jalen Johnson, they don't have much. I could definitely see the argument that they're the team, again, that jumps on 
um, stopping Caleb Farley slide, but it's not going to be tremendously exciting if you're Chicago. The other one could be safety Trevon Morig, uh, a guy that I'm not saying he's a direct comp. It reminded me a little bit of Harrison Smith and how he patrols the middle of the field and plays too high, could play single high, can do a little bit of everything. Uh, you lose Tayshawn Gibson, Eddie Jackson still there. What about what about a safety here? As a you know, continuing a safety or a tackle, the really unexciting offseason here oh, for the God. Bears. Yeah, I mean, if uh, yeah. What about Morig? Sure. If I'm the GM of Chicago, I'm just sad. I just want this to be over as fast as possible. Just make the pick and move on. I don't. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Come on. No, I'm. I'm bummed. I, I just. It's. It's. It's just bad. You're bummed about. Yeah. Just about Andy Dalton being your starter. Just everything. Like without we had, a great roster. We around had him. designs on this offseason being amazing, bringing in Russell Wilson, making this run to the postseason. Now I've got Andy Dalton, and I just drafted a safety in the first round. I'm just sad. Can you check our draft board really quick? I'm pretty sure top 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. The top 17, 18 players are off the board. That leaves uh, Owusu Karamara as the as the top remaining player yep, on the draft so. board. Greg Newsom, your boy Elijah Moore, and Greg Newsom, the next guys. My boy Elijah Your Moore. boy Elijah Moore. The next few guys coming off the board. All right, the Indianapolis Colts at 21. The play has always been offensive tackle here right we we want that starting left tackle yeah opposite quentin nelson or next to quentin nelson at the same time colts are another team that's in the wide receiver market i don't know if the value is there receiver though so that's pushing me toward this uh tackle discussion right well this is why it's a risky move for the colts to sort of play it like this and roll into the draft with this kind of need because if the board unfolds like this you're like well how much how confident are we in walker little or you know, another one of these tackles in the 20s being a starter day one and being good. Because, again, it's not like we're a team that needs not just the guy to come in and start, but he needs to be good enough that it's not a problem for Carson Wentz, who needs to be piece banked together as a starting quarterback. So I don't know that they're going to love the answer to that. I think they love to be sitting there and a Rashawn Slater or a Christian Darasaw having fallen to them. But if that doesn't happen, which is more likely than not, I would say, this is not an easy spot for them. There's there's another option at play here. And if you read uh, Ben Lindsay's article on the most, uh, you know, the worst position groups in the NFL currently going into the draft, plus listen to today's PFF NFL Daily where we break down some of them. One of the position groups Ben listed is the Colts edge defenders. Taekwon Lewis uh, and Isaac Rochelle and Kaboko Tarai, like guys who have just either... Um, you know, not necessarily played great or just have played great in just, you know, smaller sample sizes, whatever it might be. Um, do they go edge here? And Jason Owe mm. really fits what they love to do defensively. Yeah. Uh, adding athletes and, you know, guys that they can develop. Freaky athletes as well. Right. I think as much as I really wanted to lock in a tackle or a receiver for the Colts here, I think Owe, the way this board is falling, might be the play here. Yeah, and they might. I mean, if they've been willing to play it as um... – if they're willing to play it as patient as they have so far, maybe they're willing to do it again in terms of round one to round two with those tackles and come back for you know a Tevin Jenkins or an Alex Leatherwood or somebody like that in the second yeah. round and think that the difference between those guys and Walker Little is not big, so let's go there. And I know that our GM room with the Colts is going to be calling Russell Okung or Alejandro, Alejandro Villanueva at some point. Yes. We're going to be grabbing one of those veterans. Particularly like as soon as... As soon as essentially Darasaw is off the board, I'm like, hey, uh, Russell, 
you still, uh, what kind of interest have you had over the last few days? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, so let's do that. Let's go Jason Oway, edge to the Indianapolis Colts. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had another athlete to that defensive side of the ball. Uh, fellow LFC, AFC South team, Tennessee Titans at number 22. Now, uh, my concerns with the Titans is the way the the uh, wide receiver room has fallen apart a little bit. And then, you know, cornerback, even though they added Janoris Jenkins to the mix here this offseason, a lot of pressure on Christian Fulton, last year's second rounder. I always like grabbing another corner. As much as I, I, I'm trying to, like, mentally just make Caleb Farley go to a team like the Jets or the Jags, mm. Are we thinking about Farley here? Yeah, I think they are. They're definitely thinking about him. I think they also have to think seriously about what they lost on the offensive side in terms of playmakers. Um, their number two receiver in Corey Davis, their number one tight end in John o. Smith, both out of the door. Now it's AJ Brown. They bring in Josh Reynolds. I don't know how much that's going to help. Uh, it's like it's now it's the it's the guys that were making the plays last year in those big games, but now they're all you have. Yeah. Like now it's how how far is Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown alone going to carry you and Ryan Tannehill? Well, I mean, just to quote the great philosophizer, Sam Monson, hmm. you could take any second-round pick and find a Corey Davis. I think that's so the, probably true. So the Titans could grab a, maybe a Terrace. We'll see if Terrace Marshall ends up in the first round, but is he available in the second? Maybe not where they're picking, but there are second-round wide receivers to be had there. Yeah, I don't know if there's value at tight end. Right now, if you're the Titans at the back end of the first, I think beyond Kyle Pitts, it's it's a bit of a stretch to grab another first-round tight end here in this class. Tackle is a major question mark at right tackle. So that could be the play for the Titans. I think it's between the safe play, kind of safe. I'm, no, I'm not even going to say it. I'm not an NFL team. The unexciting just grab the tackle play. Yeah, they made a really safe pick the last time they grabbed a tackle. Um, and I, I like um, – uh, Oklahoma State kid here for that. Kevin Jenkins. Jenkins. Yeah, I, I I like him for the Titans here. Uh, would say, you know his he will maul some people in the run game. I think that fits with the, if they're going to run the ball as much as they like to. I think Tevin Jenkins might be the play, even though he's lower than a couple other guys on the PFF draft board. Mm-hmm. I think Tevin Jenkins is a good fit for the Titans. My debate would be Jenkins versus the Caleb Farley risk. Yeah. Um, you you decide. Me decide? I mean, they muddled through without offensive tackles last year when they really needed one. So let's give him Caleb Farley. Let's give oh. him the upside. What about the Jets? The Jets were going to take him the next pick. Uh, that's the way the draft My goes Jets were going to take him the next pick. It's the way it goes sometimes, Stephen. Uh, I keep saying the, the Titans were the team that took a chance on uh, Jeffrey Simmons a couple years ago. Yeah. And I think that has paid off. A guy that was top 10 caliber player – coming off an injury and he was actually like injured injured not just he was actually injured, not just sort of coming off an injury ready to go by training camp which is what farley's supposed to be okay it's a more concerning injury but like he had torn his acl and was going to be missing in theory for the entire first year this was a much bigger uh injury not a risk but like a much more acute injury problem than caleb farley's diami brown for the titans in the second round somebody said he didn't say second round he just said diami brown the UNC receiver for the Titans. Maybe he wanted him in the first round. Oh, he wants him in the first round. Okay, forget it. That's not um, we'll, we're going to play the board and maybe get Brown in the second round. We're going to grab Caleb Farley here in the first round, try to hit home runs. The New York Jets are very sad that Caleb Farley is off the board. The Jets grabbed Zach Wilson with their first pick. Are they – now, 
look, I, I like Tevin Jenkins better than I think him and Dalen uh, Radons. I like better than Walker Little, despite what Renner has on the board here. Mm-hmm. Do the Jets grab a tackle to protect Zach Wilson to start at right tackle? They could. Um, on the other hand, are they in this boat of like sunk cost of hey George Fant? We're giving, we're paying him some decent money. Let's I'm not. I'm money. not playing this. George. No, I'm the Jets GM here. I'm not the playing okay. the sunk cost game. But the game to play is like we have one of the worst cornerback groups in the NFL. We have nobody, none, nothing, and nada. Nope, no corners. Uh, That's why I wanted Farley to fall there. Yeah, well, he didn't. So <laughs> you're left with: Do you grab a guy like Greg Newsom, who's uh, star is ascending in the postseason world or you know Asante Samuel Jr. whose dad beat up this team for years in the same division I like Newsom there so I, I would debate Newsom versus a starting tackle mm-hmm. and I think cornerback is a far bigger not far bigger a bigger issue for the Jets yeah you like Greg Newsom there he's I number like 21 I would the- entertain the Asante Samuel conversation as well I what think- do you think about Asante and Robert Sala's defense I, I Jason Verrett would- yeah, I mean, so Asante Samuel is a really interesting uh, prospect because it, it's 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 really lazy to just be like, well, Asante Samuel Jr., how does he compare to Asante Samuel Sr.? But they really are like clones of each other. It's ridiculous. Like down to undersized, not particularly athletic for that size. You know, it's not like th- either of those guys run a 4-3 flat at 5'10 and 185 or whatever they are. Um, so you're talking undersized, not tremendously elite athleticism, but ridiculous uh, ball skills and quickness of reading things. Asante Samuel has like the fastest, you know, like change of direction T-step, you know, when you backpedal, jab your foot in the ground horizontally and drive off it. I do. He has the best one of those I've ever seen. There's no wasted ever? motion. Motion? No wasted motion or movement in it. Um, yeah, like, I, you know, you see – at the combine every year, like uh, Deion Sanders sort of coaching them up on how to do this. I think he teaches it differently. He doesn't teach the T-step. He teaches that sort of roadrunner, feet always moving thing. Yeah. But, yeah, Asante Samuel just puts his foot in the ground, drives off it, and there's no wasted motion to it at all ever. And it, like, steals him a couple of yards on those breaks because he's, he's just faster at doing that than the receiver is that of breaking on it. So his dad made an entire career out of being this ball hawk and breaking on those out routes and just beating the receiver to the football, I think his I think Junior will do the same thing. But you're like, it really is an outlier. I mean, most players of that profile do not do that. So, how much do you sort of lean on the fact that he is a literal clone of his dad who did that for a decade? And how much do you look at it and say, well, that's a real outlier. We probably shouldn't bank on that. No, I think you could trust the skill set that you've seen from Asante Samuel. Trust I also, genetics? Yeah, well, I mean, he plays... You're, Bloodline you're, scouting? No, you're judging what the way he plays, and it just happens to be the way his dad does, and it's but, but the, a my, bit of a risk-reward But there's other style. corners that do the same kind of thing, and I think my point is that I think you boost the ceiling of Samuel doing that because you have a direct analog of his dad and how good that can be versus yeah. another cornerback who's just like, you know, Jim Franks, playing somewhere else who has the same skill set but doesn't have a dad who was a you know multiple time pro bowler with the exact same skill set I, I think having seen it repeat itself 15 years ago whatever that was I think you sort of default to the idea that Asante Samuel can be better doing that than you would for a normal guy with that skill set yeah I mean this one this is one I might trust 
the board a little bit more too. Newsom, he does have you know, he clicks and closes really well as you know as well. Good footwork, better size with Newsom. Pretty good athlete. I think he is a fit for Salah. I think Newsom's the play here, and I think Samuel's going to come off the board a little bit later. Look at you defaulting to size. It's disgusting. What you I, and your freak? I know what the Jets foot might eight want. Long frame. I know what the Jets might want. Oh, look, they're going to go with size. Greg Newsom. Greg Can't Newsom to the size, Jets. Says the big guy. Greg Newsom to the Jets. He's off the board. Um, I listed the draft board. What are our remaining players mm. or the next few players on the right there? Pittsburgh Steelers. Man, another unexciting spot. Yeah. Uh, because their starting left tackle situation is is still up and up for grabs. Do they go left tackle here? Yeah, probably. Or do they do they do they continue the trend of just taking a first round sender and he'll be the uh, Hall of Famer in fifteen years? Landon time? Dickerson, come on down, future Hall of Famer. That would be a very Steelers. You would. Dude, I. Right? I could write the line. Can in they Peter even King's, take a center if he isn't the first round pick? Like I would write the line in Peter King's article the next day. The Steelers love Landon Dickerson. They think he's a ten year starter, and he's going to continue that lineage. What if it's Creed Humphrey? That's a great name for a center. You got to give him that. Well, Landon Dickerson was doing cartwheels behind Mac Jones in his interview. I mean, you just—he's got the it factor. Yeah, that's why he's number one on our IOL board. Um, I think I think left tackle for the Steelers. Right now they've got a Korowa, a Cor- whatever. <laughs> Half his name's cut off on our a Korofor. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, a Korofor is the starting tackle. And uh, we need to fix our depth charts over here that cut off his name. <laughs> and that screwed me up so I couldn't correct myself. I went to read his name and it just says a core dot dot dot. Yeah. And I was like, what's the what's the second half again? A four. A core four. Um, Dylan Radunz, I think. I, I don't want to take Walker Little. I'm scared of his production. Renner's loving his athleticism, and I don't care. I don't want to take. I don't want to be the team that takes <laughs> Walker Little in the first round. Yeah. So I'm going to go Dylan Radunz. Okay. And uh, Tevin Jenkins plays right tackle for the for Oklahoma State. Doesn't matter. I I like to mitigate risk a little bit and not have to flip guys if I don't have to. Sure. That's all. So I'm going to take offensive tackle Dylan Radunz from North, uh, North Dakota State. For the Pittsburgh Steelers. We are. We're actually going to do that together. Mm, collectively. Um, I don't know if the other... I mean, would you consider Asante Samuel there? Steelers defense? I mean, I like I like Samuel with his eyes on the... Yeah. Cor- uh, maybe I have to rethink that. He's a fairly natural replacement for Joe Hayden. Oh, down let's the do line. That, let's um, do that. I don't hate it. Um, Samuel, when I watch him play, I'm like, zone coverage, yeah. eyes on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I think the Steelers are a really good fit. Okay. Let's do that. Right, Asante change, Samuel. That changed fast. Yeah. I'll look, cornerback run. Wow, three corners in a row. Let's reset the board just a little bit. Uh, Raiders took Christian Barmore at 17. Dolphins took Jalen Phillips, the edge, out of Miami. Washington football team, wide receiver Rashad Bateman at 19. 20 was the Bears, safety Trevon Morig. Colts at 21 took Jason Owe out of Penn State, the edge. And then three corners in a row, the Titans, Jets, and Steelers take Caleb Farley, Greg Newsom. And Asante Samuel, we have eight picks remaining in the PFF NFL podcast mock draft. Maybe we'll get this done in under two hours. We shall mm. see. But over 1,300 people uh, are here watching us live here on YouTube. We appreciate everybody tuning in, whether you're listening through the podcast or live here on YouTube. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you have not already, because this is where we show all of our podcasts. And we're going live all the time, and the uh, feedback has been great. So we appreciate everybody Tuning in. Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock at number 25. They are. What do you think here, man? 
they can go in a lot of different ways. I think they're in a pretty good spot. This draft has unfolded quite nicely for Jacksonville. Obviously, they get uh, Trevor Lawrence, the no-brainer slam dunk at the top of the draft, but now they've got their choice. They can go a, a decent number of places, none of which I think are, are necessarily bad. I would default defense because I think that defense is still fairly well unproven. They've got They've got a lot of sort of high draft picks invested in it, but none of them, I think, that should necessarily be preventing you from attacking it again. I mean, you just need to keep swinging until somebody shows something. Before free agency, I looked at this spot for the Jaguars and said, man, if they get Trevor Lawrence and then they add a Rondale Moore at this point and add him to Urban Meyer's defense. Now, this was pre-free agency. Offense. To offense. To his offense. Pre-free agency, they added Marvin Jones. They have DJ Chark. They have LaVisca Chenault. That's a nice trio. I really like it. Um, I think there's there's three different skill sets there. You know me, build a basketball team, various skill sets. Rondale is a, as unique as it gets as a skill set. Mm-hmm. And it's a different one than Elijah Moore, who we do have on the, higher on the board, but you like Rondale better than Elijah, I think, right? Would you squeeze a Rondale Moore in here? Or is the de- are the defensive needs just so much that we can't play that game just yet? Uh, I'd be with you that if you're going to do that, it's one of the teams with two picks. It's a team that can say, all right, we're not like in luxury pick territory, but it's a gamble. It, taking a Rondell Moore in the first round is a gamble because his role in college was so absurdly narrow and specific and gimmick and contrived that it, you either have to have that role entirely built for him in the NFL, I, you need to come into this with a plan, you know, like the Tavon Austin pick, right? The Rams drafted him with no plan whatsoever what to do with him. And that guy spent his entire career without a role in the NFL other than the jet sweep guy. So if you're going to draft Rondale Moore, you either need that entire plan on how to deal with him or you need to be confident that his role can be scaled up to a much more NFL-centric thing. And I think if you're going to do that, having essentially a second first-round pick to play with is the move. Because, all right, if we don't get it, who cares? We still have Trevor Lawrence. It's okay. Right. But if that's your only first-round pick... I think that's a hell of a gamble to pull on a guy like him. So basically my point is, if you're going to do it, now's the time. So Rondell Moore, I think, is in play in our war room here. The other thing I would say is they franchised Cam Robinson. Yep. And so they only get one more year of Cam Robinson. Do you grab a tackle for the future? Mm-hmm. Um, also, Jawan Taylor has not been great at right tackle. I think that's in play. And I think you mentioned defense. I think the top – well, I know the top defensive remaining player on our board, Jeremiah Owusu Karamoa. JOK for the rest of the show here. JOK is there, and he could play next to Miles Jack, adding a ton of athleticism to that linebacking core. Yeah. Miles Jack and Joe Schobert. And now you're just talking about movable chess pieces on the defensive side of the ball. And I wouldn't rule out Aziz Ojolari either. I think I know they've Another got edge. first round picks invested in the edge again and again, but none of them have yet shown up. None of them have shown the kind of. Uh, impact pass rush that you actually need at some point from these first round picks so just the fact that you've taken edges in the first round for a couple of years shouldn't necessarily prevent you from doing it doing it again elijah vera tucker another guy can play some guard kick inside play tackle what do you think i i'm i am tempted by tackle of the future a dylan ray duns here who i wanted to give to the steelers the previous pick I liked your argument. I, I was sold on your Rondell argument. If you're gonna you get were sold that done, on it? If you're going to get that done right. in the first round, do it here. All right, let's do it. Rondell Moore is in the first round in our draft. Nice. Rondell Moore to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And how are we going to use him? All over the place. All over the place. He's going to keep defenses up at night, as is LaVisca Chenault. DJ Chark, deep threat. Marvin Jones, 
possession receiver, giving Trevor Lawrence the weapons that he deserves and needs. Mm -hmm. Cleveland Browns at 26, a team that uh, filled a couple needs in the secondary, which was great in free agency. They come in with one of the most well-balanced rosters in the NFL, Sam. I think the big question is edge. Uh, they need somebody rushing the passer opposite Miles Garrett. Uh, they could use anything, any uh, any help and depth on the defensive line. And then linebacker's a question, but we also don't know if they're just going to use a few more safeties up at linebacker. But, hey, JOK fits for them as well. Yeah, he does. I, uh, I don't think – I don't know if he la- – uh, JOK lands this low in real life. Yeah. But in our draft, he does. I think that's a good move for the Browns. Do it. I like that pick. I think that – It's one of those Kormara. great ones that fills a need and is a good value pick. So make it happen. All right, good value there. Baltimore Ravens are up at number 27. Any thoughts on the Ravens and where they could potentially go? Another team that has, again, a good a good roster, uh, interior offensive line. They helped a little bit with Kevin Zeitler. I think they could always use a little bit more there. Receiver is the other one that we've been thinking about, even though they bring in Sammy Watkins to complement Marquise Brown and Miles Boykin. Do you add another player there? What are your I think, thoughts? I think Sammy Watkins potentially keeps them out of that first-round wide receiver market. I think they, if they were going to do that, they would have been looking for a guy that could immediately make a discernible difference over a guy like Sammy Watkins. I don't know if the remaining players do, and I don't know that they – they're a team, I think, that has a limited number of reps to go around – or you know, snaps to go around from the wide receiver position. So I don't think they're going to be in the market for a guy like um, – like Elijah Moore to be they don't really have that role as be when they've got a Marquise Brown and a Sammy Watkins already there so I think they're probably out of that first round wide receiver market um they'll probably keep rolling on or keep hammering picks into that defense the other thing I was thinking is do they with Orlando Brown potentially wanting a trade do they look for their right tackle of the future in Tevin Jenkins and maybe maybe our Ravens war room is trying to grab a first rounder for Orlando Brown. And maybe, maybe. we're trying to throw that to the Colts a little bit earlier in the draft. But uh, is Tevin Jenkins a natural right tackle at Oklahoma State, mauling run blocker, fits what the Ravens do? Are we willing to take that forward-looking approach? Possibly. I think they're also potentially a team that could make that, you know, the fable low first round sender pick. You know, their their interior offensive line was a mess last year. I think they've understood that that is a significant problem generally when you're talking about a first round sender most people usually think it's a reach matt skewer is gone patrick mccarry has been a little up and down when he's played and nobody like they had multiple players in there last year none of them could snap the ball so if they could just like secure that it would be an upgrade so i wonder if they would be in that market of just saying look screw it let's take a center at the bottom of the first and let's just lock that up as being done and and they grab a Landon Dickerson Landon Dickerson's a first round caliber center ACL tear in the SEC title game has an injury history do we want to risk that on our board here what do you think I I would I mean look I don't want to say ACLs are like routine but they're not the critical injury thing that they used to be in the past Uh, he has one of my favorite uh, pros in Mike Renner's draft guide of any player oh yeah what's that initial pro is built like a fridge and then not a dorm mini fridge either industrial size (laughs) that's good i like it's always nice when somebody we've seen this with lance airline once you get into like year three or four of writing a ton of in-depth reports or just writing a lot of words as as renner has you get 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 creative yeah And, and renner's done a good job with that pff draft guide go check it out i can't believe we just dropped landon dickerson in there but i think that's a very ravens move yeah and a potential real one 
All right, that's good. Landon Dickerson, starting center to the Baltimore Ravens. We've got five picks remaining in the PFF NFL podcast draft. New Orleans Saints are on the clock. Number 28 overall. Hmm. Hmm. Corner and receiver are two... Uh, two spots where they've just lost. They lost Emmanuel Sanders. They lost uh, Janoris Jenkins. They've they had to just make some cuts due to salary cap issues. Yep. Um, how are we building around Jameis Winston and uh, Taysom Hill, uh, and then just adding more depth on the defensive side of the ball is the big question mark. And uh, the roster is still good. It's still very good. So I think they've got some flexibility here. I think they're definitely in the wide receiver market. Um, I could see them being a team that would jump on a Terrence Marshall at the bottom of the first round. A guy, it's not a good, it's not a good uh, group of receivers. Certainly in the first couple of rounds for size. Like if you're coveting big receivers that can run, outside of those top guys, um, you don't have a lot working for you. The guys at the bottom of the first and top of the second are mostly slot style receivers. So if you get this far. And the guy, you know, the, the top of the draft, uh, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith are long gone. Um, and somebody like Washington has snagged a Rashad Bateman. Like Terrence Marshall is the top guy for a while of that style of receiver. I like that. Uh, Terrence Marshall works. <laughs> it's, uh, somebody's laughing at my Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill deal here. It's Tamus. Mm. It's Tamus. So Terrence Marshall to help. Uh, Tamus, right down the street at, from LSU, ran a sub 4-4, allegedly, at Pro Day. I'm just going to say allegedly at <laughs> every Pro Day. Yeah. Right? Uh, we got a scout's watch. Uh, I don't care. We have a 3% in, uh, decline probably for all of these this year. Um, LSU's Terrace Marshall to play wide receiver opposite Michael Thomas, and it allows Deontay Harris to be that more deep threat, Traycon Smith to be that wide receiver three possession type that they are. So Saints at a wide receiver. The Packers at 29 may have wanted – that wide receiver, Terrace Marshall. That could have been a really nice fit for them. I think they look tackle here, though. I think the Packers go tackle. And since Mike Renner, you know, was a Green Bay guy, mm. maybe Walker Little, I'll, I'll give him Walker. Well, that's if, where you want to put him If there. Walker Little is the top tackle on <laughs> Renner's board, well, he gets to so go to Green Bay. you're so confident in Walker Little, how about he goes play for your team? Yes, that's, what, that's my thought. Because David Bakhtiari's hurt, and I'm not drafting just because he's been banged up. But the right tackle spot, is a is a need here for the Packers just replenishing along the offensive line and as the wide receiver depth has diminished I think this makes a ton of sense for them yeah I don't hate that I think you could throw a dart pretty much anywhere on defense as well and get you know a position that would help um so corner I I really wanted to start in corner um they did bring back Kevin King but I wanted somebody to replace him I don't know if the is the value there yeah we've reached reached, I think a drop-off point of the corner group Um, so that keeps me from corner and then linebacker I would consider mm-hmm. the Packers this is every year yep. every time you're doing a mock draft you think about linebackers the back end of the first for the Packers they never do it but Nick Bolton is there and Zayvon Collins is there and really there are rumors like, that Collins is going to go in the top 15 yeah I really Tulsa. like Nick Bolton as well I think he's a, he's one of those linebackers that just jumps off uh the film which I think is always a good thing I you know I wonder if his athleticism his athleticism isn't as good as some of these other linebackers but I think he probably offsets that by just being a better, pure, natural linebacker. So would you consider him there, or do you, do you want to go tackle? I'd consider, but I'm okay with the tackle. Pick. Okay, we're going to walk a little for Renner. Uh, we got the Bills, Chiefs, and Bucks left. Buffalo Bills on the board. Do you have any uh, Do you have any thoughts on this one, Sam? Well, they're just a running back away, Steve, so this is obviously our first running back spot. 
are there any teams? So we always joke about the running backs, and the there's not a whole lot of buzz about um, running backs going that high this year. Do you think anywhere along the way, like the Dolphins at 18 are probably the team oh, that might take a, a running back, and then I think it's the Bills here or it's the Bucks at 32. Yeah, I mean, I honestly think a couple of the teams at the bottom could. I just don't think they should or I wouldn't. So I mean, we can probably spoiler alert that the rest of this first round will not feature a running back. We're not going to pick running the backs. GMs. Bills could go – so Elijah Vera Tucker – would help as just far as continuing to shore up that offensive line and, and helping at guard in particular, but also given that tackle depth, the USC tackle slash guard. Mm-hmm. Do you want more pass rush? Aziz Ojalari could be a guy. I'd be really tempted for that. He comes in and becomes maybe a Jerry Hughes replacement down the line, a supplement to the to his pass rush right away. Um, I, I think that makes a lot of sense stylistically. My question with him is he 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 does weigh two forty, and he's not that the three four outside backer versus four three edge matters a ton. But if you are going to play with your hand on the ground, those guys usually are at least two fifty five to sixty. Gregory Rousseau has dropped on our board to number thirty six. Do the and the, he's more of an upside type of guy. Mm-hmm. Do, is Rousseau a potential play here, just given the Bills' depth and you know trying to? Hit that quote unquote upside potentially. I think he could be. Wasn't Jerry Hughes fairly undersized when he came in? Hasn't he packed on a bit of muscle yeah. since his time in the NFL? He's listed at like 255 now, but I seem to remember he was lighter than that when he came into the league. Yeah, and I like Ojalar. I mean, he was a redshirt sophomore, 90 grade, number four edge in the entire nation last year. So, number 25 on our draft board. Good value for the Bills. Let's do it. Edge mm-hmm. defender Aziz Ojalari is going to the Buffalo Bills. Now we got Kansas City. This is interesting because of what they've done in the offseason. Okay. You don't want to take Elijah Moore in the first round. I don't. But if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, do yes. you? No. You still don't want to. Correct. Dylan Ray Duns is still on the board. Uh-huh. The tackle from North Dakota State that I've tried to give to a couple different teams. Yep. We think the Chiefs are going to want to tackle in the first round. Yep. And the value matches up here. It does. I think that makes a lot of sense for them. They still don't have a starting left tackle right now. They've overhauled the rest of the offensive line. Joe Tooney with the big money signing at left guard. Austin Blythe comes in to start at center. Um, Kyle Long potentially at right guard, maybe even right tackle. Who knows? Mike Remmers is the contingency plan at right tackle, plus um, you know last year's third-round pick. They should be okay there, but left tackle, there's no one. Left tackle, they actually need a starter. All right, just to recap the last few picks before you while you think about the Bucks, man. This is a it feels like a luxury pick with their entire starting unit coming we are back, just right? Running back away. Um, New York Jets at 23, pick Greg Newsom. Steelers cornerback Asante Samuel. Jaguars at 25, take Rondell Moore. Browns Jeremiah Owusu Karamoa at 26. 27, the Ravens take center Landon Dickerson. 28, the Saints take wide receiver Terrace Marshall. Packers take offensive tackle Walker Little. Bills take edge, Aziz Ojolari, and the Chiefs at number 31 take offensive tackle, Dylan Radons. That puts the Bucks up on the board, and you have a team that won the Super Bowl, has all of their starters returning. They also have a 44-year-old quarterback next year. Is that what he is? 44-year-old quarterback next year. So they're in this Super Bowl window, obviously, mm-hmm. and I think they have the flexibility to just say, okay, where do we need depth or – do we want to start taking a forward-looking approach? They haven't even admitted, hey, they scout guys by saying, where's this guy going to be in two years? Yeah. 
And if they're doing that, they're saying, okay, and as when Tom Brady maybe retires after two years, what's our roster look like? Let's start looking forward there. So they could add, they, honestly, I think they could add tackle depth, even though they just had Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirfs locked up. More wide receiver, receiver depth with Chris Godwin, uh, again, if, uh, once again, a free agent. More defensive back help because that's what kind of got them to the Super Bowl was just taking a whole bunch of stabs at, at cornerbacks there. Yeah, they are also a team that I think – so if there is if there is a gap on this team, I think edge rusher is as close as it gets to it, even with Shaq Barrett coming back and, and JPP there. I think that's the – so if you, like, stumble into a first-round impact player, that's the position where I think he can make the most immediate, obvious impact is, look, JPP's okay. He's not amazing. Um, Shaq Barrett is good, but even he's not, like, incredible – you could replace some production, spell those guys with a an impact pass rusher if you found one. So I think they would be in the edge market. Honestly, I don't like Elijah Moore in the first round, but if he's going to go anywhere, this makes some sense. So Elijah Moore, huh? My problem with Elijah Moore in the first round is what we talked about last time, which is, look, the value just isn't there because you can take a good – if you get a good receiver, regardless of what he, what he played in college, if he can play outside, he can play inside. The same isn't true in reverse. Just because a guy can play well inside doesn't mean he can play outside. I don't know if Elijah Moore can play outside, and there's quite a lot of evidence that says he can't. But the Bucks really don't need him to. And they actually are in a position where they can just take a really good, smaller role player and be comfortable if he like lives up to his ceiling, even if that ceiling is lower because they don't need it to be any higher. So if Elijah Moore comes in and provides that sort of foil, provides what Antonio Brown did last year, right? Which is like fourth option on the offense. Yeah. But every now and again, if, if something goes to hell, he gets, you know, eight targets in a game, and he can actually make plays doing that, and he can live within zones, and he's a really good player. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the other thing is, if you're looking at the box and you're saying, okay, how are we going to win the Super Bowl in 2021 here? You're, you have the roster, but, like, what could go wrong? And if you have injuries at... If you have injuries on the interior of the O-line, you probably don't have the depth there. So like Elijah Vera Tucker mm -hmm. from USC might be a potential guy there. But your point, too, last year they dealt with Mike Evans getting hurt. Antonio Brown had to step in. They dealt with Chris Godwin you know, losing his hands a little bit in the playoffs. They needed other guys to step up. Scotty Miller was touch and go throughout the year. He'd be a deep threat. He just wouldn't show up for certain games. I think just the wide receiver depth is always crucial and particularly for the box, where you just want to keep it as strong as possible. But it also has a long-term play. If you let Chris Godwin walk in a year, Elijah Moore takes over that slot-heavy role in a vertical offense where he's not a true slot. He's a, vert he's a vertical type of threat, mm -hmm. not just like a Wes Welker type of slot. So, all right, I like it. Let's do it. Elijah Vera Tucker. He's the guy. I mean, um, I was going to say what? Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore. Elijah and Elijah, but different spellings. Yes. Threw me off. I was also trying to read something at the same time. Well, that's your first mistake. Elijah Moore goes in the first round. Thank you, finally, Sam. Go check out Sam's article on why you should never draft a first-round uh, slot wide receiver. Yeah. Over at pff.com. Mm -hmm. Never today. do it except right here. Except in this Number 32, it's basically a second-round pick. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It is in years where the Patriots cheat and lose first-rounders. <laughs> 30, 32 is a second-round yeah, pick. Yeah. So it's, you know, same thing. So there you have it. It's the PFF NFL podcast mock draft we just did it on the fly i think it's great i think we need to uh can we get some sort of like social graphic or something we'll have to tease it out a little bit and, and let people you know 
click on it and, and listen to our analysis because that's mm. where the fun is. It's it's talking through the picks and going through all the analysis and how we got to our conclusions. Top player left on the board is Tevin Jenkins, a tackle out of Oklahoma State at this point. Yep. And then uh, Nick Bolton from Missouri. Go check out the PFF draft board. Uh, don't forget that underdog fantasy. Go there, put in uh, 10 bucks promo code PFF, and you get that PFF draft guide for free as part of PFF Edge. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. If you're on the YouTube channel, before you leave, click subscribe. We've got all sorts of great stuff coming up on the YouTube channel over at pff.com and of course go subscribe to the pff nfl daily where sam and i get into these topics even more in depth because two hours sometimes just is not enough it's not, it's not enough thanks to everybody for tuning in we'll be back on thursday more pff nfl podcast <laughs>